All right, and then we'll do a clap sync in three, two, one. All right. All good. <laughs> Those are always just beautiful. So, th- so what what that is is you're actually experiencing the delay that we have. No, I'm this aware comment. of what it is. It's and still also funny. rhythm issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not certain that we don't have some minor rhythm issues as well. Yeah. Okay. I guess you can't really rule it out. True. Yeah. What's really funny is that, like, yeah, if I line it up perfectly, like by the clap, like, so normally I line it up via it Craig, and that awful. works pretty well yeah if i line it up via the clap like a phenomenally accurate rhythm perfect clap it's like people are just desync talking over each other so (laughs) yeah yeah maybe there's some underlying problems there cool uh let's get into this this is really fucking exciting for me this is one of my favorite games ever and i'm really excited to have everyone here to play it um and talk about it but who is everyone is a great question because we've got a bunch of unusual faces in the house tonight this is a female dominated podcast y'all well james i'm like oh shit it is. I know, right? Yeah. We have the Girl majority. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Has that ever happened? Probably not. Uh, no. No, it hasn't. Wow. Yeah. It's always been equal or male dominated. Groundbreaking podcasting. Right the future right. is female. <laughs> yeah, which is really awkward because the before podcast discussion was all of the females being like, hey, McCoy, can you lead? <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, I mean, that, fine. That's where we are. We don't want to look bad. Um, yeah, no, and you won't because you guys are going to have great contributions like all of us to this podcast. I'm so excited. I mean, that's Who a are, except for me, because I didn't play the game and I'm just here to learn about this game. Okay, so let's get that out of the way first. So we have James in the house who hasn't even played this game, but he's going to play the role of ignorant question asker, um, which is an exciting yeah. new role on this podcast. And we're going to see how that plays <laughs> out. <laughs> we think there's room for it. Um, then we've obviously got feel free to ban me from the discord channel at any time yeah we'll just kick you from the conversation (laughs) (laughs) James is like was I supposed to be recording it's like James Uh, (laughs) Um, and then we also have some like a regular guest that would be Zoe right God, regular guest? Regular wow. host? I regular I was looking. Uh, there were so many things wrong with that. Uh, One, he was looking at me. Well, that's because you're the only human in my room. Dead in the eyes, no. as he said, no. Zoe. No. That's the first problem. But I was looking straight in your two, eyes as I said, James. Two, no, let me finish. Two, Zoe is not a regular guest. She is an actual, bona fide, original cast member so who is this speaking this is elena <laughs> our resident fact checker the one who makes sure that if i say it wrong she'll tell i'll let you regardless know regardless of whether it's important <laughs> for the story regardless of whether or not the people in the room are totally like with me you know that um, one was important they don't she's not allowed at comedy clubs anymore because she just says that's not true um, <laughs> all, <the time. laughs> all right i feel very welcomed thank you for having me thank you for oh coming. no you're you're in my court elena i i appreciate that we're I'm so very glad happy here. that you're here yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and also we have claire who is she's Zoe's my sister, sister. Hey. wow <laughs> And we're, it's awesome. We're going to sound very similar. So, you know, I don't know if we need to, like, signify who's talking when we make comments. Like, ZB. Talk ZB. Here, and then ZB. You should, yeah. you should do what the fucking, that that one race in um, Mass Effect does where they, like, announce their, like, intention of, like, emotion oh. beforehand. You should just announce her name. Like, like Zoe. <laughs> That's why I love this fucking section. Like, <laughs> like that could work. <laughs> Well, and Zoe, we've gotten complaints before that apparently people have a hard time telling your voice and my voice apart. So 
So yeah. not only is this a female-dominated like podcast, but it's a female-dominated yeah. podcast where we all sound the same. Perfect. I love it. Yes. I, you know, that's good. <laughs> that could work, actually. It's like, if you guys all speak in unison, it would be very loud and very dominant. <laughs> that so would that, be badass. It would be badass. Um, I don't even know where the fuck we are anymore. Did I introduce everyone? Nice. Okay, let's move on. Did anybody um, notice that as we were discussing the fact that it was a female-dominated podcast, I accidentally talked over Zoe? Uh, <laughs> I did. Oh yeah, no, I definitely did. Because, but I think it's just because I noticed that, and I thought it was unfortunate and hilarious as I was doing. It. It's just <laughs> like I want you to know that I know that I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, self aware is good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice that you recognized it, James. Uh-huh. You called it out, and you're promising to be better in the future. I actually think it would be. more... I mean, I wouldn't say I'm promising to be better <laughs> <in the future. laughs> yeah, as I talk over McCoy. No, listen, hey, but I will I, try harder. I would say it's actually more disrespectful to to be anything different than what we already have been, which is a true train wreck where we talk all over <laughs> each other all the time. Right. Like that's just the M.O. of this space. So nice. Um, let's see. So do we want to do a little bit of like, hey, have you played this game before? Like what brings you out here? Um we already talked about James. Hey, McCoy, what is this game? We haven't even mentioned the title yet. Yeah, you haven't said <laughs> that. Yeah, but don't true. you think there, unless this is auto-playing, hey, this is auto-playing on your iPod or whatever the fuck. First of all, who has an iPod anymore? Do you know what I'm saying? That's a ridiculous <laughs> Second question. Second of all, you're dead in your house and someone needs to come pick you up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> We're going to, so, so, okay. We're going to keep things light over here in okay. this corner. That's the okay. one dead body I'm going to bring up. We're totally cool. Yeah, I got it out of my system. Any dead no, bodies in it? No, no, no. We got it out no. of my system. We're not going to bring it up again. Okay, <laughs> dude. If if that's what your system tells you, you know, if your soul says I got to bring up another dead body, I support that. Um, no, I, I mean, just want you to know. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. We out here. What the fuck was I talking about? Should, it doesn't even matter. Just, it's Last of Us. So yeah, what okay, game did I go. not play this week? Oh, it's Last, Last of, of Us. us. Right. Yeah. It's. Oh, I was. But uh, seriously, I always feel weird about this because I'm like, didn't they click on this podcast episode? Don't they know? No, but it's still nice to say. Yeah, right. And, and um, so this is Last of Us. This is a classic game from 2013, I believe. It doesn't really matter. Who mm-hmm. cares about facts? Actually, Elena, fact checker. Yes, I nice. see it written in your notes, so I'm going with it. This was released June 14th, oh, 2013. God. That's a little behind the curtain which there. Okay. Is about seven years ago. Yeah, about. Mm. And that's wild. It's the like, wildest. I remember this game like it was yesterday, man. I do not remember this game very well, as become has become apparent as we as we started to play it again. Is that like a good experience where you're it's like, wow, experience. it's all new again? Yes. Fuck. I'm I get sure. a lot of like very deep deja vu where I'm like I totally know something is gonna happen probably but I don't know what dude Elena was literally turning to her sister who we were all playing this game together and she said you know I really think this guy got bit and I'm like Elena shh 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 and she's like, I really I think this guy got not fit. Know. She's like, I'm having an inkling, you guys. It's really, it's, I'm, I'm getting something. <laughs> so that's true. So that's our experience. We played it seven years ago. We, we played, played it seven years ago. We picked it up on the drive out to California, mm-hmm. our first summer of dating. Mm. And we played it on the couch in your mom's house. Yeah, yeah, hardcore. And it was awesome. It was like one of my first video game experiences because I was pretty new to video games at that time. So this one originally like, blew my mind. That's like a classic gamer moment because you're playing it on the couch at your mom's house, but then it's not a classic gamer moment because you're doing it with your girlfriend. 
<laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> mom, mom, turn the lights off. <laughs> I'm just special. Mom, I'm trying to now impress for, her. For us, I think, well, so I know summer of 2013, I went to another country that summer. So I actually never really got this. So Claire mm-hmm. actually has better experience on how this game was even introduced. Yeah. To yeah. I mean, I guess a, a little bit of background in my own video game experience is I, before this game, obviously, I, I never felt super drawn in by stories. Just because I, I, I was still relatively young and I didn't have a lot of um, just video game experience. I played mostly like sports games. And I think like a couple years before I'd gotten like the James Bond Quantum of Solace game. And that was like my first first person shooter. I'm like, I've got a gun. We have this pacifist household and I've got a gun. So it was a big deal. You know, it was, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a big moment. And I think actually my mom bought this game. She was at Best Buy for some reason. Mama Steam herself. Mama mm-hmm. Steam was at Best Buy picking up some games um, to entertain like a family friend who had like a high school age son. And so she just bought a bunch of different games that's also how we got battlefield which i played for 23 minutes before i felt ethically confused um (laughs) that has not been less of a problem let's put it that way but all right continue yeah um so and this was really kind of my first experience in like narrative gaming i guess like i'll call it of just something that the story really brought me in and kind of um immersed me into that so that's how it came into our household i don't know when you actually played it for the first time, but I played it shortly after it was released in probably July 2013. Right. Yeah. I I just remember because I was I was in Russia and I just heard I just being on social media a lot. I would not stop hearing about this game. Like everyone's just like, oh, Last of Us, Last of Us. I actually think I was first introduced to the game watching Day Nine play it on his like Day Nine day off series and then I watched him play maybe about five episodes of it and then I was like I've got to stop and just play this game for myself so then I think I actually first played it after I got my wisdom teeth out so I was like really (laughs) high on Vicodin when I first first played this game would not recommend you mistake you mistake a lot of zombies for people and people for zombies it's a bad experience (laughs) but you just shoot everything Exactly. You wait. And and in a game that like has limited bullets, that's never good. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I think uh, that was our first, uh, that was our first, uh, I guess, introduction to it. But like since then, at least Claire, you've Mm -hmm. played this game how many times through? I think you've played it more times through than I ever have. I I think I'm on my fifth playthrough right now. Damn. Um, that's oh, that's impressive. Seven wow, years. So are you trying to say like Zoe's multiple playthrough strategy runs in the family is what we're learning? And I think, I think we're both, we, we cling to things a little bit. We're a, a, a little bit obsessive over here in the Beckett family. <laughs> I like it. I like the little bit of psychoanalysis on top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, not, let's not dig any deeper. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I guess Zoe and Claire, did you guys know what this game was like i know zoe because you played it a little bit later so you'd seen it around a lot like did you know the story or did you know what you were getting into when you first played it no absolutely not i I had zero background us either and i feel like that really helps the game not it went maybe mccoy did you know what it was well so okay i didn't um, so I'm not necessarily hot on the Twitter game, but I'm mm-hmm. hot, at least at the time, I was hot on the video game reviewer train. And there are different reviewers and you get to understand what they do and don't like and what type of games fit them and don't fit them. And then you get to view the gaming landscape through their eyes and see, well, I don't love 
these types of games that he loves. But in this case, I think we have this mutual like sort of crossover Venn diagram. And so you can see that with enough people. But for this particular game, it was essentially unanimous. And it, it was a ground swelling, like a shaking um, of just essentially all reviewers singing praise at once. And so when I started to see that from enough, I would say like, different styles of reviewer, or at least reviewers with different games that they liked, I realized it was time for me to close my eyes and close my ears and just experience for it for mm -hmm. what it was. And so I, I caught onto that really quickly and stopped. So I didn't know anything going in. Um, I had no spoilers. Um, I actually am not even sure if I watched a trailer because I didn't feel that I needed to. I knew that this was something special. It was something potentially once in a generation and it was coming at the end of the PlayStation 3, which is where you know, typically developers at the end of a life cycle of a console have really figured out how to develop on it. And so if they've got this big mature send off to, um, doesn't have to be mature in like a tone sense, although this one is, mm -hmm. but it's just mature in terms of a development sense. Like that, this is when they hit you really hard. Like, so I was like, okay, it's time. Let's just buy this. And I actually remember having a discussion with you where I was like, we should just buy this game and play it. And you're like, I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's good. And I'm like, I'm not really interested in whether you think it's going to be good. <laughs> we should just try it and see. Yeah. Because this is something special. And I think and it I, really Yeah, I remember you was. going out and getting it and being very skeptical. And I think all you told me was like, it's a story game. It'll be great. And I was like, I don't really know what, I don't really know what a story game is yet, but okay. Um, right, like at its... At its very condensed summary, The Last of Us sounds like any other action-adventure narrative mm -hmm. game, where it's like, oh, it's this apocalyptic zombie action-adventure game, and you play as the grumpy old man, and you have a young, you know, foul-mouthed sidekick next to you of a girl. Mm -hmm. And so, like, condensed down, it just sounds so... I guess cliche, like it sounds exactly like Zombie Land <laughs> to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, like when I first heard that that was the premise of it, I was just like, really? Like this is the game that people are singing praises over, like for real. But obviously, the game is so much more than that. Um, yeah. I, I would say it's really an adult game, and I don't mean that in the sense that's been like co-opted into mean like there's just porn everywhere. Um, <laughs> although we may reference the one instance of porn that was here. <laughs> When we get there. Which was hilarious. Which was hilarious. Agreed. But it's a mature game. It's an adult game. It was a game that felt like it wasn't for 10-year-olds with a PlayStation, mm -hmm. if you know what I'm saying. And I think there's a lot of people that want that sort of thing. And I think that has really yeah. grown into its own um, I, I think sense this kind game. of spinning off of that idea, I think it's not only just like a mature game in tone, but it's like... I, found it was really emotionally mature. It wasn't just like, mm -hmm. oh, it's mm -hmm. gritty, it's dark topics, it's not going to be happy, which I think is really typically overdone now, but it showed a level of an emotional depth that obviously that early in my kind of gaming uh, career, we'll say, um, <laughs> I, I didn't expect from video games. So it really in that way kind of changed how I saw video games and like what they could be. And unfortunately, it set up this expectation way too high so I can barely enjoy any other games now but <laughs> let's talk about how it's positive for last of us just that yeah the emotional depth to um sure. the characters the storyline a hundred percent agreed and i want to in context actually list some other playstation 3 sony exclusives that came out around the time so that you can really understand how much more emotionally mature as you're saying which i completely agree with this game is 
Um, so in terms of that dark, gritty game, but that's not really emotionally mature, there's something like Killzone. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It's really dark. It's really gritty. It's really violent. There's, it's beautiful from a graphic standpoint. It's, um, you know, you, you murder people, but in beautiful fashion, I guess. <laughs> but there's no substance there from an emotional standpoint. Is that the standpoint. one that's made by the developers of Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, yes. Which that comes later, and that's a great game. Um, but also things like Infamous. I don't know if you remember that. It's like a it's a superhero sort of adventure. You know, it's very light. Um, there's I don't even think there's blood. You know, it's like you kill people, but there's no blood. It's just like a very like mm-hmm. light sort of game. Uh, there's God of War three, which do not be confused with the God of War that came out recently. This is back when God of War was the old God of War, which it hadn't matured yet. What Last of Us showed people on on PlayStation is that these emotionally mature stories can work and that paved the way for the reinvention of God mm-hmm. of War. So this is back before all that. There's such classics as Heavy Rain. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, Little Big Planet even and, and Uncharted as well, which is actually Uncharted is by these same people, but mm-hmm. it's a much lighter, more Indiana Jones story. And the last thing I will mention is Metal Gear Solid, which I actually think is maybe the most emotionally mature, but shows a lot of um, immaturity at times, and I think that's kind of its style. So you can see in the context of those games that this thing is different. And it's not just more violent than the others, although do. Yeah, those, sometimes. some of the kill, like the, I don't know what you call it, like the special kill scenes, like when the you get executions. a kill <laughs> yes, Or when the, the clickers executes. get you, bro. They, they are brutal. Like you are stomping yeah. in people's heads on a pretty regular basis. Mm-hmm. And then when the cutscenes come out, you're stomping in their hearts. So, <laughs> yeah. so I think that's super fair. <laughs> um, so speaking of that, I don't know how deep you want to go on this topic, and I'm guessing it's not very. So I'll open it, and you guys can say what you want to say. But I think replaying this game in this moment in time, there's a lot of feelings. I can hear these voices in my head that say, dude, I don't know. That might be too real because it's pretty real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said... My personal opinion on that is that I like that games explore these topics. I enjoy, and not just games, media in general. I enjoy that. And I think it's done well here. But I definitely think there's something to be said, however little or much you guys want to say, about how intense, say, the opening is of this game in just, say, even the past five years. It's yeah. This game has only gotten, I think, more intense for me, which was unbelievable. I don't think I would have thought that having played it seven years ago. Yeah, like I never remember getting emotional during the first half, the, th- the prologue of this game. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly replaying it, I suddenly was just feeling like, I, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and now that seems sure. real or I, I don't know, but like that whole prologue played out and I was just suddenly like kind of choked up, just kind of like, wait, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, this, yeah, is, I this agree. is how emotional it gets. And uh, like, because the main part of this prologue that's just so prolific and so memorable is just there's kind of this unwritten rule in video games of like you never kill kids. At least, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. on screen. By and the way, small note, we were just literally, Elena's sister was playing Oblivion, where in Oblivion, you literally can't kill kids. And in Skyrim, you can't kill kids. Yeah, they become these, like, godlike, invincible creatures. And in fact, there are mods in those mm-hmm. games where you can turn the you kids can, can into your you, yeah. allies because they're invincible. <laughs> and so they can murder everything in the game. They are the most powerful soldier <laughs> in all of existence because oh, they're geez. invulnerable. All you have to do is give them a fireball. So... This is definitely prevalent in gaming. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, just to add that context. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like 
the thing is, Last of Us came right out of the gate with being like, hey, here's a kid. You're going to control this kid for like the tutorial section of mm-hmm. this game. And uh, yep, you're emotionally invested. Yep, she dies. Yeah. She gets yeah, in like the she first gets shot. 10, 20 minutes. And I think they definitely did a good job of like of playing with that idea of like everyone knows in video games they're not going to kill a kid, right? But two, if you knew anything about this game on its like base level, you might have known, hey, it's this story game where there's like a, a an older guy and then a younger girl. And so I think when you start controlling that that girl for the first mm-hmm. time, you're like, great, okay, so this is my character, and you're like checking out her room, and yep. and then yeah, they just um, spoiler alert. They just straight kill her. Yeah, and they yeah. kill her in a horrific way. Um, but what I would say about that is that might have been the only preconception that I had coming into this game is I had seen Ellie. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. like you're mentioning, I don't think I connected that even though this girl is blonde mm-hmm. and Ellie's not, I did not actually know that. I thought maybe she could change her hair color. I didn't know they were different until, until she the first dies. One dies. Yeah. And then I was mm-hmm. like, what in yeah. God's name am I signed up for? But I think Which, that was hugely powerful for this game, at least when I first played well, it. Well, I think it really sets the tone to, like we talked a little bit about like how emotionally kind of deep this game is and like what good notes it hits with its story beats. And I feel like that that moment really sets the game up for success in terms of making it like very serious. You're like, okay, this is like not your normal zombie apocalypse game where like everything will be fine. Right. Like, they just shot this, like, a, a human guy just shot yeah. these this human right. little girl. Like, that's the place that we are at right now. Yeah. And I um, think one of the things that makes it really work, because I, I think I could kind of see, like, okay, you know, I, I don't, something has to be the emotional driver for this guy. So I feel like I predicted it, but I think it really speaks to the talent of the voice acting that I really liked Sarah, so it's like she mm-hmm. she was in the game for ten to fifteen minutes, but she had like a, she had a personality you kind of liked or you got a kind of good look into what her and Joel's relationship was, and to be able to do that in ten to fifteen minutes where you're also setting up kind of what the world is, what's going on, it's like that's a that's something I think really kind of pushed it over the top as far as kind of its impactfulness. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. I mean, she has like the quirky quip of like, you know, she gives her dad a watch and he's like, how could you afford this? And she's just like, drugs. I sell hardcore drugs. And you just laugh at that because that's totally something a 10 year old would say to their dad. Like, you know, as they're but also like I I think also what what helps connect is just the sit the situation that they put these characters in is just so natural. The, The natural part of this game just calls to so many gamers of just, yeah, sitting with your dad on the couch. It's 1145. He's come home after a long day's work as a contractor and he's had a bad day at his job, but they're just going to curl up on the couch and be a family together for like, you know, 15 fleeting minutes before she falls asleep. Like that's so natural. Like that is such a natural Mm. scene that anybody can relate to as a kid, just, you know, watching tv until they fall asleep and their parent carries them to bed yeah and oh totally and 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 also being a kid and not necessarily knowing what's going on but something the adults are alert they're freaked Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. the adults friends is over trying to figure it out they're they're talking quickly like aggressively you're like this isn't safe but you don't know and they won't tell you like all of that just really pours into this Mm -hmm. and that gets me 
is like when that explosion happens outside Joel's bedroom window Mm -hmm. and you hear Sarah just call for dad, but she calls it in this Mm -hmm. panicked kid voice of this just like, dad, like Mm -hmm. this increasing volume. And so you're just kind of like, I don't, you can feel that fear in her and you can see her body kind of shrink as you're like walking her around. And it's like, yeah, it's very powerful. Like, one of the things that Naughty Dog just does so well is pays close attention to detail to the point where it's just like, yeah, we're going to have her hunch her shoulders and kind of hug herself as she's wandering around this dark house looking for her dad after an explosion happened outside. Like, it's not like a typical video game where an explosion happens and a kid's just still like, like default running. Yeah, exactly. Default running around the house and all that stuff. Yeah. No, completely agreed. And like, I, I do have definitely in my notes here somewhere along, something along the line of the character movement. And by that, I mean, I guess the motion capture or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not just like movement, like you can jump on stuff, which you can. But I mean, like the acting. I don't know how to describe that. Because in a lot of games, you talk about the voice acting, the voice acting, the voice acting, mm-hmm. the voice acting. But this game, it's acting. Do you understand well, what I'm but saying? that's also because of the era of game that it is. This right. was one of the earlier, as far as I know, the earlier games that is fully motion captured. So when you see the voice actors who do Joel and Ellie, they're in like full motion, like mocap body suits and they actually act all these scenes out. And so I think, I mean, Heavy Rain is the example that I can think of, of like, it's clearly not there yet. Um, But that lends itself really well to this game and makes it, so you're not in that weird, like uncanny Valley territory where like, this is not real. Like it makes it believable enough and natural enough that you can kind of forget about that part of it. And it's not... it's not pulling your focus away from the story or from whatever else is going on. But I, I love like that to me is part of this being a last, um, last era. What am I trying to say? Like a mature technical game from the PlayStation three generation. Like this Mm -hmm. is like where they already had their reps under their belt for motion capture. Like they already had learned a lot of lessons. And so it's crazy. I love the term uncanny Valley. It's used all the time, but what I love about it is the Valley part. It's massive. I mean, I think I've, for all my gaming career, <laughs> as we've said, um, I've <laughs> been playing games in the Uncanny Valley, and I don't know if I ever thought I was going to see the other side of it, but I think, I mean, especially in contrast to Mass Effect, this game looks fucking fluid. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, it actually gets there mm-hmm. in a way that I think is just stunning. And I actually think, honestly, similar to what Clara said, like this was not free for the rest of the game industry they did not just get to pick this technology and have it and to this day we suffer games that are not as good as this one was from that perspective seven years ago because it was a huge focus and it was a huge success and payoff um you can see like it it isn't like in and i don't mean to pick on mass effect but it's just the most recent example if you look at our podcast feed we're playing that at the same time it's like they have like trigger eyebrows to do surprise face. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what they have. Exactly. Trigger mouth corners to go into creepy smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I really do think like, I mean, I guess I'm not super in the gaming industry, so maybe it wouldn't hit me like this anyways, but I don't really view Last of Us as being this huge like technological achievement because it's so much more than that. Like I think that everything in it, that like, techn- like technically, like the motion capture and the voice acting and the 
just like the scenery in the background and the movement and all that kind of stuff is like just it's good enough that you don't notice it which I feel like for this game is what you want like this isn't like sometimes you'll hear like Battlefield be like it's looks so beautiful like it's sure. incredible and I that that but sometimes I feel like that's all those games have looking for them or going mm-hmm. for them whereas mm-hmm. this game like it's good enough that you kind of don't have to pay a lot of attention to it it's just there and it lets you experience the game dude so true like how many games have been so beautiful and yet so hollow mm-hmm. like that's why yeah. when i got a new computer i everyone told me to get assassin's creed and i will um but whenever i play assassin's creed i look at the gameplay is super fun and i enjoy it and the world is beautiful but it is so hollow it's kind of eerie yeah yeah i i, I personally i really enjoyed the new assassin's creed odyssey but it was one of those things where it's just like each point like the story moved for it i'm like oh, okay mm. Yeah, I, I, I like the story I made for my own character more than the one that they had written. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like, yeah. Mm. Dude, and then you go to a shopkeeper and you're like, this is the most beautiful, intricate shop I've ever seen. And it's like, but I can't touch or move anything. Do you know what I mean? It's all yeah. just like stuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they kind of try to get around that, I feel like, in Assassin's Creed by like kind of being joking and like a little bit fun yeah. and tongue in cheek and stuff like that. But it, it's them... Maybe they're going for it. But regardless, they could not technically pull off what Last of Us did. It Mm -hmm. was not an accident. So you're right to say that, you know, the technical achievement is so impressive that it falls into the background and allows the human performance to be just as impressive. And we're, I personally am very thankful that human performance was also amazing. But it's, it's everything just coming together. I would even say, and we'll get there eventually, but I think the gameplay is also really well designed too. And Mm -hmm. so it's just this huge a hybrid of all these different things done really, really well in a way that that didn't have to happen, man. If this didn't game didn't come out, there's a void in my heart. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? But it didn't have yeah. to come out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's really exciting. Um, should we jump into? Do we want? Do we? Do we? I think we did the prologue. Maybe. Um, well, so, I and I think kind of maybe transition from the prologue then into the first section of the game, which we have aptly called the test section. Um, I I think an important thing to also mention is that because this is a game that is set in a futuristic world, there is a lot that this game needs to do to build a world around you and get you to understand, you know, the political, social, and economic situation of the world that you're in, especially since it's supposed to be quote-unquote present day. Um, Mm -hmm. at, At least... It's pretty much surmised that the prologue with Sarah happens in 2013, whereas the rest of the game happens 20 years later in 2033. Um, But it isn't 2033 like future 2033. It's like take the current line and go in a direction. But it's also like the world essentially ended 20. Like, you know what I mean? It's like humanity has survived in this very unique circumstance, but like just barely. Like, yeah, there are no flying cars, but... Right, yeah, right. There, yeah. there are so zombies I think, everywhere. I think that really makes it feel like current because yeah, there isn't so, progress. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so I think they, um, if I'm remembering correctly, they heavily relied upon a book called The World Without Us. Um, and it's basically a really scientific perspective of like, okay, what happens if humans just disappear tomorrow? It's like, what does that look like on like, like, a transportation, like what happens to the metro system? What happens to the water system? So they really went in depth as to like, 
okay, what happens when pipes burst in the winter and then just nature takes over from there type thing? Mm -hmm. So I think they did a really good job at like not only kind of projecting what they could see kind of a post-apocalyptic 20 years in the future would be, but also connecting that really basing that in reality of like what it does look like when nature starts taking places over again, which I, I found fascinating. Yeah, and I think yeah. it really lends itself to nothing ever in this game feels out of, at least it hasn't so far, hasn't felt out of place to me yet where you're like, but that would never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel like there are so many game environments that you play where, like, there's just one thing. You're like, why would that? Be? That makes no sense. Whereas Last of Us, to me, like, everything just feels like a coherent world. Mm-hmm. Um, everything seems to fit, and I never see anything, and I'm like, Oh, I don't think that would be the way, you know, that, yeah. that, that part never hits, triggers my brain, which I feel like goes with the other point of like, it just kind of gets out of your way. So you can just be in the game and not be noticing things like, oh, that mm-hmm. facial expression was really weird. Or like, oh, there would definitely be more trees or I don't you know, whatever. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's important to try to establish these things without also doing like, I think we've called it like Pacific Rim, Rim syndrome, where it's just like, you know, as we both know. Like, <laughs> the, um, so like, it, and I think, I think Naughty Dog did a great job in portraying this one through having you control Sarah in the prologue and then having adults have conversations over your head. Um you know, having adults talk back and forth and you're just a passive listener. So you get to hear world information that way to like the credit sequence where you hear like news snippets and like quotes from potentially notable people just about the state of the world and how the world will transition into 2033. Um, But then also they just did a really great job in having these scenes that execute they're they're executed on a trigger point where you're like walking past a scene and then suddenly like something starts happening you know a couple yards to your right and um it's just like it's i don't know it's always interesting to hear that when you hear like two people having a conversation being like oh well i'm on work duty work duty isn't that just meant for soldiers yeah well they're they decide i need to be on work duty and like it never involves you the character but hearing those passing conversations as in a in a natural setting like that like really helps clue you in as to like what's happening around you and maybe the story will hint at it later down the road but like it kind of triggers your brain into being like okay key information interesting like good to know yeah there's a lot of that in the section right after the prologue where you're just mm-hmm. walking around and you're seeing just run down towns and like i think we've all i mean how many times have you heard like dude zombies are i'm so fucking over with zombies bro like they're so generic now and it's like maybe and i think this came out literally in the heart of that sentiment like people were literally sitting there going like post-apocalypse is so fucking lame man like, zombies are so fucking right. lame. And it's like, no, they're not. You're just missing depth. And this game comes with depth in that area and interest mm. and thought. And you're like, oh, fuck, it's actually interesting. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it actually yeah. has something there. So, and you I get- also think that zombies are really well designed. Like, mm-hmm. they're not just sort of like your run of the mill zombies. They have kind of a unique flavor to them with the spores and the clickers and kind of like the mm-hmm. progression of zombies. So, when you first get bit, this is what you're like. And then as time goes on, you become like more and more zombified. 
And so mm-hmm. these clickers can't even see and they're using, I mean, like they, it makes them really unique. So I feel like it doesn't hit you with the like, oh, here, it's another zombie. Yeah. They're going to eat my brains kind of thing. It, it yeah. gets rid of a lot of that zombie lore and makes its own thing that fits into the world really well. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And, and I would also say just, you know, slightly stepping back to the destroyed world. Um, that's, it's not just like cool and it's not just world building. They actually, and it's just because of their expert handiwork, but they managed to integrate it into the beauty of the game. Like it is beautiful to see the destroyed cities and the and the subway systems that are messed up, but specifically a lot of the highways. And you don't just see like nondescript texture that you can't make out while you're staring at it from one foot away that looks like a sign that might have sat on a highway. It's like you see like the actual highway sign just crashed mm-hmm. to the ground and you're just like, my God. So um, they just, they just, it fits every part of it. It's, 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 it's both the beauty and the depth and the, the everything. So it, it really just lets you, if you're willing to participate in, and shake the game's hand here and um, play ball or whatever the fuck phrase I want to use, you can get in this game and you can, you can experience it for what I think they want you to. And I think that's just such a powerful thing. And I know I, I know we did back in the day. Um, and I think in some ways we are again today. So it's just, it's, yo, it's good. You heard about this? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. It's like, it's. Yeah, I think it's just a really cohesive world. Yeah. Like they clearly did a lot of work up front um, mm-hmm. and it, pays off in terms of like it's just a really cohesive well put together total package of a world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so yeah go i ahead. think it also just kind of going off also what mccoy was saying like it's not even just like highway signs i thought like one of like the really cool environments that you you go through is the office building at the very yep. you know one of the first outer world terrains that you go through like they didn't just have like your generic like pens and paper clutter on the yeah. floor that's just strewn mm-hmm. about. Like some walls still have like office photos still mm-hmm. tacked mm-hmm. up on the wall of like, you know, family portraits or, you know, it it's a realistic enough office setting. And I also just like how some of the terrain that you have to manipulate to like hold open a door. It's like, yeah. it's not just like generic box you drag into the doorway. It's like a printer copier machine you have mm-hmm. to drag get mm-hmm. yeah, i going off like that idea about like the office building it was actually during this most recent playthrough kind of working through the office building in boston and kind of looking around I'm like fuck i have an orchid on my desk at work <laughs> i was like <laughs> so it was one of those things where it was just a little bit too real of just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so they had like yeah that kind of personal detritus and just normal stuff you have at offices but you're kind of walking through it after the fact and having this very, very, like, I'm not comparing the two situations at all, but it is one of those things. It's like, yeah, you don't think about, you don't think about bringing your cactus home. It's like, it's still there waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Oh, man. And speaking of that, we will get there, I think, a little bit more in the next section, but there has been some in this section already. But nature has such a beautiful hold of this world. Like that cactus that's just sitting there waiting for you. So is the rest of all of nature and it's taking back over the world. And you just get to see that, um, Mm -hmm. in a way that's just so powerful where you realize like, 
And I, you know, that's one of the symbols they use for both like at the beginning terror, but later also for hope. It's everything. Yeah. Like the mm -hmm. way that they say that like it's been 20 years and you guys are a shambles, but nature continues. It's just, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. There's so many personal details here though. It's all over the place. Like half the buildings you walk into don't even feel generic. I mean, maybe the other half do, but like still that's a fucking achievement in video games. Yeah. Because, like, you know, it, it, for instance, I was laughing at this earlier because at one of the later sections, you're you're um, rolling up to the sniper and you're trying to stealth and they're making call-outs, which I think is hilarious because I play video games where call-outs are really important. And they're like, he's in the burned-out building. And I'm like, that's a bad call-out. There's, like, nine on this block. <laughs> like, that's yeah. like the worst way to kind of get where I am. And it's just so video games because I'm like, honestly, yes, there are, like, probably nine burned-out buildings here. But then some of the ones you go into are, like, have quite a bit of feeling. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, that particular thing, again, I'm jumping forward a little bit, forgive me, but it has beads, like, across a doorway. And you're like, what the fuck yeah. is this place? Yeah. Sound <laughs> yeah. alarm, dude. Yeah, great, yeah. dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, especially with a, with a game that relies so much on you exploring, you're looking for supplies at every moment. So you yeah. do... Like, I regularly find, like, I climb over a car and go behind a bus, and it's like, but there's still those, like, little details, so it's not generic. I'm like, so there's some guy at Naughty Dog who's like, all right, my job is to animate, or I have to design this little square area yep. in the middle, like, on the side of the map in Boston or whatever. I'm like, and, and they did it, and they did it well still. Yeah. Right, like, and, and they're yeah. so recognizable, right? Like, I think it's right when you're on your way to Bill, Mm -hmm. You're going through a town and you can see a, what 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 is the remnants of a garden center. And the only way you know that is because there's like a shit ton of bird baths and gnomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like gnomes, little yeah. gnomes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and it's just it's so cool that they built this off of everyday objects to see. So you have your corner store, you have your, you know, clothing your clothing stores and everything, but also like garden centers. Like that is like a kind yeah. of thing that you never think to add in an apocalyptic world, but you're also just kind of like, yeah, we have those. Yeah. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like all those like, you know, lots that have like just stone statues that you put in your gardens. Like, yeah, what happens to those in the future? They all still stand I mean, that's for sure. But yeah. also then they layer on top of this because it's not like these pieces are excellent in their own right, but they're separate in different silos. It's like they've clearly looked at that garden center and been like, this is a fucking cool place. What if Ellie said some shit about this when you walk through? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, dude, the layers with which these guys are on another level um, is just it's out of control like because they're they recognize all of that beauty that we're talking about and then you have this conversation about oh my god i've seen these garden notes before or whatever and then you get to see a lot of the inner characters of joel being like let's just fucking get out of here man like well yeah yeah what and they, doing, i right? think too like what zoe's talking about earlier is that they use those moments to really t tell you something about the characters right so i think in that moment in particular ellie says something like oh are these gnomes like i had a book about these mm -hmm. where it's like yeah. she's clearly never been outside before like she doesn't know about these things and she was born you know, after the apocalypse. So she doesn't know. And so, like, it adds yeah. just these little tidbits that fill out their characters as you go, where you're like, oh, shit, she didn't know about that. And Joel does know about that because he's been here before. So, like, everything just kind of fits together to create, mm -hmm. like, a really layered and complete picture. Yeah. And I think... I absolutely love those Ellie scenes so much. Yeah, because too. it just adds... I, I know that they had the budget had to be so limited with the cinematics and like the cinematics alone build so much character and gets you gets you to sympathize with those characters so well. But then 
you know, the game still has to do just a little bit more to get you to like care mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, I think one of my favorites is just hearing like Ellie just pushing air through her lips. And he's like, what are you trying to do? And she's like, I'm trying to whistle. Like, mm-hmm. I've never learned how, but I'd like to know. And he's just like, you're, you're so weird. Like, yeah. 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 he yeah. Kind of brushes her off like that. But like, I it's think, just little flavor text. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the character building and a lot of what makes the story stand out does happen in those user-controlled moments that if mm-hmm. you're playing this game just to like collect all the collectibles, whatever type of achievement you're trying to do, you're going to miss a lot of a lot of like the optional dialogue, a lot of just, again, like the exploring in which you talk to Ellie about the the arcade machine that she has an experience with her friend with and things like that. So it is something where you're really rewarded to for being thorough yeah. and exploring and kind of in going through this robust world is you get a lot of just kind of the more um, kind of subtle character development um, in those ways. You're rewarded for like, you know, in a game that's very action-packed and high intensity, you are so rewarded for actually taking a step back in the moments of the game where they allow you to take a step mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. think it's so nice that in this game that's so where the story is so compelling that you're rewarded with little bits of story. You're not rewarded with like, yeah. hey, you found a bobblehead. No, no offense to <laughs> Fallout's bobbleheads. No I offense love you. to Fallout. Like for um, real. But but you know what I mean? Like you're rewarded with the thing that the game is really good at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've been reading about puppy training recently where like, you know, your, your puppies can be food motivated. You give them food. or But if they're toy motivated, you give them a toy. And it's kind of like that where like this game is teaching you like, no, the story is the good thing here. Like we'll give you yeah. a little bit of that right. if you go check out this corner or you go yeah. look at the gnomes. Yeah. Which is so different from most games where it'd be like, there's a shiny thing over here. Like the checklist yeah. is the goal. Yeah. And it's not really here. It's the experience. Not that supplies aren't important. Like, supplies are super important in this game because they're very scarce. And it's very scary. Oh, yeah. But can we also talk about how, like, the supplies are also just so realistic. Like, they're so natural in this game Mm -hmm. of, like... I am going to take a metal pipe that's corroded off of a water system and, like, duct tape two broken pieces of scissor on it yeah. to make yeah. this, yeah. like, mace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the crafting system is so, mm-hmm. so unique and so cool. But also what I like about it is as you're going around hunting for supplies, it's not, like, a generic, like, this is what a cloth looks like and we're going to mm-hmm. just duplicate these cloths around the map and they're all going to look the same. So every time you stumble across it, you know it's a cloth. Like, they vary the appearance yeah. of the supplies so well. Like, I think one of the things is like the 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 pills that you can find to like help mm-hmm. level yourself mm-hmm. up. Like sometimes pills come in like prescription bottles. Other times pills come in like a bunch of lavender that's in the garden center. Like it's all varied. So like, it's also not something where like you can easily just like scan an environment and be like, that's a cloth, that's a med kit that's uh that those are pills like you actually have to kind of scour around because items don't always appear what they are is that yeah what I'm yeah like no, but it. let's be honest about what the experience really is when you're looting it's hey that's fuck it's a bottle like that's what it really is <laughs> yeah 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 because yeah. <laughs> it's always a fucking bottle or a brick and you're like god damn it yeah and as someone who sucks at doing anything in stealth mode those 
fucking bricks. I'm like, I can't do anything with this. I have no composure. I cannot hold this shit together. It's like, don't give me this and expect it to be okay. Oh my God. Dude, they're all over the place. And how many times do you sit there and you have a brick and then you exchange it for a fucking bottle and then you exchange it for a brick brick again and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Well, one of the things I remember most about this game, the first time we played it is that at that point I was, you know, McCoy was obviously playing. He's still playing. I'm not playing. This game is too scary. But, um, (laughs) but so like my self appointed job during that first playthrough was like, well, I will look for loot. Like I will find the shiny stuff. And I can't, like Mm -hmm. one of the things I remember most about this was I would constantly be like, there's something over there. And we'd like turn around and go check it out. And it would be a bottle. And then, you know, like (laughs) I was like, there's something over there bottle. So like, I mean that, that stuck with me Yeah. Uh as a hallmark of this game. So it's, it's, it's. It's just hilarious because that is just undoubtedly there in full force in the middle of what I would consider to be like a ridiculously simple but elegant looting system. I was going to say that too, that I think the game did itself so many favors with making it so, like there are what, like six or seven things you can really find. You can get like cloth, sugar, explosives, scissors, stuff, pointy things, you know. Sugar or some shit. I said sugar. But anyways, there's a pretty limited number of things you can get. Whereas like I've been playing The Witcher again recently and the (laughs) number of of crafting items that game, I mean, it must be in the hundreds. It's ridiculous. It's exhausting. It's just too much and it takes away so much from the game. Yeah. I think this is like my theme for Last of Us, but like the looting system in this kind of gets out of its own way. It's like, yeah, this is really important and you better be looking for this stuff. But like, don't worry too much if you're picking up enough boysenberries versus hollyhock <laughs> leaves or like i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah exactly true very true and, and then it's just simple combinations hey you need one mm-hmm. of this and one of that you'll get a molotov you need one of this one of that you get a smoke bomb which i've never used and never will use um no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i was really hoping one of you was using them because i feel like they're probably good they're to probably somebody. good but like dude have you heard of the things that kill the things those are the ones that i like <laughs> bro <laughs> um but yeah like i I I really love the crafting system. Like, I don't mean to denigrate it by saying it's simplistic. And like you guys have said, in many ways, that gets out of its own way. I totally agree. Um, but it's not just a simplistic crafting system. They tuned it beautifully to be, mm-hmm. at least at the start of the game, I think we're getting into a point where it's a little bit more plentiful. But at, for honestly, hours on end, you are strapped for resources. And I love that. It's yeah, you have, like, so beautiful. Two bullets and a piece of wood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and some scissors. And you're like, fuck me. I just need some alcohol so I can get a fucking med kit up in this. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> that part is just so fitting. Like, in, in many ways, right? Like, the story, the characters, the acting, the tech, the this and that, it all fits in. And it totally does. But the gameplay fits in really well, too. And the looting fits in really well, too. You're, you're scavenging a fucking post apocalyptic world that fits in so beautifully. You're creating makeshift shanks and just, all sorts yeah. of stuff like that and it it really works and it creates a lot of not particularly complicated but impactful decisions do yeah. i make a molotov or do i make a health kit and you're sitting and there it okay go it's ahead. unapologetic about it too it's like this is the first time i'm playing it through like uh hard mode you can mm. make mm-hmm. fun of me for the fact i played it four times and it's just my first time playing hard mode but it's fine <laughs> um again i'm not subtle um but it, they are unapologetic about the fact it's like okay so you thought it'd be a great idea coming here guns blazing, but now you've got five clickers and you got three bullets to yep. make it work. Yeah. Bitch. It's like, oh <laughs> shit. It's like, 
I'm not used to having to pay for my decisions like three days after I make them. Yes. But it, it is good because there are some times where you're like, okay, no stealth's not going to work. I, I'm just going to have to run my ass off, which we can talk at a later time about because mm. I have a traumatic experience with this game. <laughs> <and> that. But <laughs> we'll leave that out there as bait and we'll get to it eventually. Yeah. No, but, but you're absolutely right. And I think it's both sides of that same coin. So developers are always scared. You can tell by the, all the games they design, they're scared to actually punish a player for a decision that they've made previous, which is why yeah. occasionally in those games, in very specific circumstances, they'll give you a Molotov and you're like, oh, yes. mother of God, <laughs> what's about to happen? Yeah, you're like, this is going to be real rough. <laughs> oh, God. Where's the bloater? But the, keep in mind, when you're punished three days, which might be like in, in le- real life days, right? Like a couple mm-hmm, of hours. Mm-hmm, when you're punished mm-hmm. like six hours later in a playthrough, it's not quite that many, but hours at least, right? And maybe even different sections for a decision you are on that same coin rewarded for decisions three days later hours right. later, you know sections later and that's the the give and take and so if you're willing to loot everything as you are and, and as i probably all of us are you are rewarded for your um diligence and you are rewarded mm-hmm. for your careful aim which is hard as fuck um when they yeah, move around like so that hard. oh my god but you're rewarded in that way so then it really does help like it I, you know, Elena sits there and says, okay, my job is to find stuff, but that's a very important job. And I miss stuff when I'm playing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she finds it, I'm thankful because we need that shit. Do you know what I'm saying? We and need that say, shit to I get it too, through. It also, it, this game keeps you very paranoid and very stingy the whole way through. Like there've been a couple of yeah. moments, especially in this playthrough, which we're also playing on hard. And I'm pretty sure the first time we played it, we were on normal because I don't remember being this hard. I think so. Um, and there have been moments where, like, McCoy is just beating people to death with, his, like, five dudes with his fist. <laughs> and I'm like, you're taking yeah. a ton of damage. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Ellie just gave you nine shotgun shells, and then she gave yeah. you eight before that. You have, like, 16, and McCoy yeah. will not get out the shotgun because he's like, no, we're going to need that for the clickers. We're going to need it for the clickers. And yeah. so even yeah. when you do have – I think it does a really good job of, like, even when you do have enough stuff, you're so paranoid about using it that yeah. it maintains that level of stress – throughout the game yeah. that I think is very fitting and that so so many games struggle to do that like for yeah. most games you kind of like it's hard for a little bit and then you hit a plateau and you're like okay I have a bajillion dollars yeah and think right. of, think about other games like again Skyrim which is a, or Oblivion which is a great counterpoint because it's just so very different but the limit there is that you can hold 200 pounds of whatever the fuck you want and you're like right. holding fucking silverware and cups and some stupid ass shit <laughs> like an apple or something and I guess you can eat 10 apples during combat and pause screen, which is kind of silly. But like in this game, they even say it, by the way. They say it in a beautiful way. You take only what you need. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you're walking through toy stores and grocery stores. <laughs> oh, that part's so sad. It's all so sad. There's stuff everywhere, but you take only what you need. And it fits the game. And when you say, dude, we've turned stingy playing this game, that's exactly what they want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's so fitting. Mm-hmm. It all just creates this some greater than its parts. Um, I've, I've found it, it changes how, even when I am using my weapons, it changes how I approach things. Like with shotguns, yeah. for example, as opposed to just being like, okay, I have plenty of, uh, I have plenty of ammunition, so I'm just going to take shots from 20 yards away. Yeah. I've noticed I wait until they are maybe two steps away yeah. Yeah. and try to finish them in one shot just because you don't have enough ammunition to be 
wasteful. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I'm not shooting basic enemies with my shotgun. No, but health right. kits are also important. No, it's true. But if we have <laughs> if we have three, like I'm willing to burn a health kit for some melees if I can pull it off. Sometimes I die. But I say we have paid for it. A absolutely, couple of times. absolutely, and that's fair. Um, but here's what I'm saying. Like, like think about in contrast to to Mass Effect, which at this time in gaming, I don't think these are too, too far off. I don't really know. I don't understand what time is. But the point is that there's was this idea that at, at some point in time, people were using one particular way to succeed through a game. Say they found the bow, they liked the bow. We'll get to that later. I love the bow. But they found the bow, they liked the bow, and they never used anything different. And at some point in time, there was this idea in the design space, that developers should force people away from their innate habits of using the thing that they like and and force diversity on them in weapon choice and in gameplay style. And you can see that in Mass Effect. And here's how they do it. You run out of ammo. So you're like, fuck. But all the guns are exactly the same, pretty much. They kill people at most distances, unless it's a shotgun. But like, dude, if you're me, mm -hmm. I'm a sniper kills people at close range. So like, they're all the same to me. So I just use all the sniper till it's done, use all the assault rifle till it's done, use all the pistols till it's done in exactly that order, because that's the way I like it. And I hate the pistol. So it's like, if I get there, I'm in trouble. But like you said, in this game, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, no, 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 no. This gun is actually useful for a particular type of enemy and useful in a very particular circumstance. And so I'm gonna have to make that happen if I'm gonna use it. And that right. is such a more interesting way of forcing me to use different guns than just saying, well, you don't have any shotgun right now, so I guess I'll use pistol. And sometimes that happens, but oftentimes I'm using pistol on particular enemies because I'm sitting there thinking they're not worth my shotgun. They're not worth right. my hunting <laughs> rifle. So if I can possibly get away with it, I'm not going to shoot them with it. Uh, and I just think that is such a rad way yeah. of going about that. Yeah, and I think this can also feed into like the stealth system that they have constructed in, as well, where it's just like, if all else fails, you can always try to stealth through. Yep. Like, and yes, the game has its like echolocation mechanic that it has. I mean, all games involving stealth need to have some sort of thing like that, or else the game's nearly impossible if you try to just not have a sensing feature like that. Mm -hmm, but right. like, I think like the first time the game really tries to it, it it tries to force you into using stealth along with weapons is in the metro uh right after the office building where I think it's an area that has like eight or nine clickers, I swear to God. Like God it's just damn. infested with clickers mm -hmm. and you have to like oh yeah, yeah. walk your way across. Oh yeah, it's the right after you get Molotovs for the first time too. Right. Yeah, you get mm -hmm. Molotovs for the first time. So like the game kind of gives you the option, like you could go in blazing, but also there's nine of them. And as soon as they know that they're that you're here, they're gonna come at you and they're gonna come at you fast. Oh, and by the way, clickers, you can't punch with your fists. You need yeah. to have shivs crafted yeah. for them. And you need to so upgrade you, that particular thing also. So at the beginning of the game, they just one shot kill you if they get close. There is no yeah. other discussion. No <laughs> you know escape. what I mean? Yeah. You don't get to complain at the TV. They just kill you. Yeah. Yeah, and so Can you like describe what clickers are for me. Yeah, yeah so clickers are uh, they're a class of zombies. So they've kind of div divvied up the zombie classes into three types so far in the game, which are runners. Mm. Runners are people newly infected who have just changed and they're really fast but also like kind of squishy. Like you can easily mm -hmm. 
easily defeat them. Also, like if they grab a hold of you, you can easily like shake yourself from their grasp and like just punch them to death. And they're very human. Like I mean, um, they look like people. Yeah, yeah they yeah. they look like people. They're newly turned. Couple of um, shots. They they move really erratically. Really hard to hit a headshot on them. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, two chest shots maybe with a pistol, uh, with the the, mag- the magnum maybe. Uh, yeah, three with the standard Ten pistol. Ten punches. <laughs> Ten punches, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those are runners. And then clickers are, uh, I guess, like the level up of zombies. So they're people who have been infected for a longer period of time. So there's fungus that has grown over their eyes. So they can't see you. However, they hear by sound. Well, they hear by sound. They, they, they can hear you. They use echolocation, which is why they're called yeah, clickers, because they're clicking on the right, side. Right, right, right. Oh, right. wow. So we, we were in the past. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> That's why you have me. <laughs> so so uh, earlier we were talking about the bricks and bottles. So t- what the game wants you to do with those bricks and bottles, at least in terms of clickers, is like sneak around them, throw a brick in one area of the map. The clicker's going to run towards the brick because it's a sound, and then you can go the direction you want to go. Yep. But the thing about the clickers is that once you're detected by them, they charge at you. And as McCoy said, it's like at the very beginning of the game, it's a one-shot kill. Like they put their hands on you. If you don't have a shiv, shiv in your hand to stab into the, your to your their neck, yep. um, it's like impossible to uh, it's impossible to kill them at all. And they're like, not particularly <laughs> slow and they're not, well, I mean, they're not fast, but they're not particularly slow and they're not particularly squishy either. They burn resources yeah. like you've yeah. never Very seen. Scary. So you fucked up when they're running at you. You're like, well, never mind. Rest in peace with those shotgun shells. Um, but that's what they're there for. Mm. Specifically the shotgun. That's what they're there for. <laughs> um, but if you just have a pistol, you're like, oh my God, no. And you're just burning everything and you're like, have to reload maybe in the middle and all of a sudden you're considering, should I have done reload speed? Holy fuck. Like you're in trouble when they come after you. Um, yeah. Not to mention you're going loud and others are running for you at the same time. So it's real trouble. Um, so did you guys sneak past most of them or did you fight them or did you... Wait, wait, there's a third class of zombies. Should oh, right. Is it, so wait, so I'm sorry. So I'm, so I'm a little confused because there's runners, there's clickers, and then there's... Uh, bloaters. bloaters. Wait, so then there's four. Where's the... Because there's the standard uh, zombie, which has the faces... Right. The runners. Oh, those are the runners. No, but there's one there's yeah. one of the ones that are twitchy and fast. Isn't there like a I thought those were runners. Those runners. are runners also? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I thought there was a, a fourth class that like had like really twitchy movement and like weird faces. Those are the runners. Those are the runners still? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. I um, think I mean look, <laughs> if you audience know more than us, please Give us a five star. <laughs> we'll we'll look at the Last star. of Us Wikipedia. Rate, review, follow us on all of our social media platforms, but then okay. also like write in okay. somewhere and tell us why we're wrong. No, awesome. Okay, great, cool. Okay, so those are the three we know so far. So then bloaters, tell us about those motherfuckers because they're crazy. Right, so those ones are what I think has been described as they've been infected for a long, long <laughs> time. Yeah. And so they basically have fungus overgrown all over their body so they are just massive yeah. they're like sumo wrestlers they're like the big size. daddies of this game <laughs> yes yeah. they yeah. are they are oh, the yeah. last of us's big daddies where they just come in they're full of fungus they throw these like pollen Four. yes yeah. spore yeah. bombs yeah. at wow. you which 
I guess also as context, like spores are what infects you as well if you inhale too much of them. Like that's part of the disease. So they, they throw spore bombs at you. So if you stay in that cloud for too long, you lose health. They charge at you and like there's no running from them. Like as soon as they're upon you, they're gonna rip your jaw. Oh yeah, their fucking oh kill God, animation they. is oh the craziest. God. I had completely <laughs> forgotten about it until this playthrough. They literally like one hand on either side of your jaw and they just rip your face apart. That's yeah. how they God, kill the you. The first time I saw that, I'm like, okay, so this is different than Quantum of Salad. Yeah, this is not a movie tie-in game where there's almost no yeah. blood. You know what I mean? Like there's like yeah. sparks shooting yeah. up people or some shit. <laughs> so true. Oh my God. And they are, so that's uh, another beautiful piece of design when you come, if you think of the way that they work in concert with, uh, concert with the looting system, these guys are insanely tanky and insanely resource yeah. intensive. So you're sitting there and you're feeling like pretty good about how much you've looted and pretty good about how little people you've shot or how much ammo you've collected after shooting them or something like that. And these guys roll around and you're like, oh my God. And so you have to actually think to yourself how you're going to solve them. Is it going to be you know, two Molotovs, is that going to be the most efficient way to kill them? Or do I need to do two bomb traps? And then I use the hunting rifle and I try to go right. So you're trying to figure out the way because these guys are going to burn through your resources. And sometimes you don't necessarily have just a ton to throw around. So sometimes you're like right. sitting there wondering if you can even solve this equation. You can usually, but it's, I spend a lot of time running in circles. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, please God, someone give me a resource. And I just like, uh, stress run, just hoping for an opening. Joel, catch! Like a Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bill, do something for fuck's sake! <laughs> Dude, what sometimes when I'm watching, like I'm like sitting there with and, and like especially on hard, I'm like sitting there looking at Bill and I'm like, you have infinite shotgun shots as far as I can tell, so you should start using them. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like you do jack shit, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I thank God we've given Ellie a gun at this point. Oh yeah. Because she does appear to also I mean, I don't know how much she hits stuff. Dude, she, she was doing young. great with she's the been, brick. And yeah, she's yeah. been very helpful for me. Yeah. Which is, by the way, super fucking cool. Mm -hmm. You have a, an AI uh, yeah. companion, and sometimes, everybody knows, they take cover on the wrong side of the wall, and they're directly they in do. front of someone. Yeah, that's silly. And you just silly. cannot help but scream video games <laughs> to the heaven <laughs> as you've been trying so hard to stealth, and then your motherfuckers and your troop just, like, walk up there, and they're like, hey, what's up? And then oh. they, like, come back to you. That hurts. There's me. been so many times, like especially the like the metro the metro sneaking sequence with when you have both Ellie and Tess in your party and you're trying and I don't know I I like to stealth through a lot of situations but if a clicker gets too close to Tess she opens fire she's like yeah. Yeah. Oh she doesn't even care so like there'd be so many times I'm like close to my end goal I've been sneaking for like 15 minutes I've been throwing bricks left and right and then suddenly I just hear a gunshot behind me I'm like. Fuck, Tess, no! <laughs> yeah, what are you God doing? damn. I always wondered in those yeah. instances if I had done something wrong, but no, you're right. It's just Tess just shooting him, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. It's Now, the game has been a little forgiving. I don't know if oh, yeah. it maybe increases in difficulty, um, but there's been a lot of times, like I think at the very beginning of the game, you're trying to like avoid floodlights from a mm -hmm. bunch of military guards and there's been plenty of times where ellie just like walks straight through a floodlight but there's yeah. no detection yes. you know, i'm glad they don't punish yes. you because you know how frustrating yeah. that yes. would be yes like oh my god yeah so i'm 
I'm okay with that kind of break from reality. It's just like, as long as I don't have to play through this scene another time, because I almost made it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Yes, absolutely. Like, especially with stealthing. Like, when I was stealthing through some sections with quick clickers, it's like, if you stealth through three out of the four rooms, and then you get caught in the fourth room, it's like, welcome to all the clickers. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're in fucking trouble. But yeah, dude, like, they, they make the companions mostly asterisk helpful which i appreciate yeah. like for instance the the couple of instances where either you or ellie or a couple of other people that you roll with be it tess or i've already forgotten his name the henry older brother the older brother which one henry nope yeah yeah henry's, henry's, older, henry's one. older one. so when you guys do like a double takedown kill you're like let's fucking go mm -hmm. dude like nice yeah, job because mostly it's just what was, yeah i think the but... first time this play through it, ellie just jumped on somebody yeah, and i was like fuck yeah like, oh my let's god go. yeah <laughs> like that was just it's very exciting and she'll hit people with bricks and she'll say stuff and there's 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 arcs in this game um in terms of the characters and especially specifically joel the hardened sort of veteran-esque type character he's not a veteran yeah, but he's, he's certainly a veteran shit. of surviving in this chaos um but he just doesn't want to give this girl a gun um, but there's instances where he needs help and they really clearly have this arc where like Ellie clearly earns and makes great points about how he needs to let her help. And I actually think so. This is just a silly personal thought, but it's like I remember sitting there and trying to explain to someone in around when this game came out. Um, and I was ultimately wrong, but I was trying to explain to someone why I thought like one of the most at its, at its peak, if they did it the absolute best, I wasn't saying they were going to get there necessarily, but if they did, it's the optimal. I thought video games could be one of the best mediums for storytelling in all of existence because there's player choice in there, or at least you get to control some of the instances. By the way, that's a con too. We've definitely seen that in many of the games we've played. Sometimes you walk past a cutscene or that's, you know, a, a, like a, a yeah. vignette and you don't watch it or whatever. But my thought was this. The reason why it's so cool is because a television show at that time and a movie, you know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that, an hour and a half, and they have to do a development. They have to do character development within that time period. They have to do a story arc within that time period. And my argument was always, but in video games like The Last of Us, you get to have 20 hours to take an arc. And I think that's yeah. what we're seeing for some of these characters is a 20-hour arc. And it just feels so much more natural because they get so many more honest opportunities to be like, I'm not growing right now. Go fuck yourself. And mm -hmm. I love that. Of course, I was wrong. And here's why I was wrong. Eventually, television shows just said, fuck it. We're just going to do, you know, we're not going to like just keep it 20 minutes. We'll just do 10 seasons that are all connected to each other. And they're doing the same shit. But the point is that an hour and a half movie just does not have enough space to really get into these characters. And this game shows us, through all sorts of different vignettes, essentially the character development of two characters over 20 hours. And that slow shaking off of the rust on Joel is what's, I mean, and of course other characters, but I just mean like he's one of the core. It's like that's such a beautiful thing that could not have been done in an hour and a half. There's just no fucking way. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, I mean, wholeheartedly agree. I, I think they, and they, I think that just the great thing as well is that with a lot of these side characters and their limited screen time, the fact that they're able to fit a lot of character development in those people as well True. also speaks volumes of how well, how good the writing is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I think in particular, one that comes to mind is like the character of Tess. Mm -hmm. Like 
a lot of people like to complain about Tess being like, oh, like, she's just so annoying because she just opens fire on all my zombies and I hate her. But, like, I don't know. Like, I loved her character because she just starts off as this hardened partner of Joel's who it kind of hints that they've had, like, a romantic mm-hmm. yeah, past. They definitely like, have. But they don't hit you over the Agreed. head with it. Which I like because it's another thing. It's like when people just speak the the like the 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 stories just like remember when we used to be a couple three years ago it's like no i really enjoyed having sex with you before (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) and it just seems so heavy-handed right like i think like one of the most beautiful moments i'll actually i'll get to that beautiful moment later but like the character of tess is like she she's so hardened she's so ruthless she's Mm -hmm. so like agreed she's so um I, I don't know. She's just so hardened by the rough deck of cards that she's been dealt mm-hmm. that she's just like, she always seems like such a pessimist. And then there's this little glimmer of hope in Ellie yeah. and you see her character just slowly develop into this, this is hope. And then later she gets bitten by a zombie and she's slowly changing. I think one of the most beautiful scenes is when Tess is saying goodbye to Joel. Like when when Tess is telling Joel that she's gotten bit you know, she's already changing. But I just think it's so beautiful when she looks to Joel and just says, there's got to be, you know, something here Mm -hmm. between us enough so that you feel like you owe me. Mm -hmm. Which is just, that line alone just speaks volume of their relationship where you're like, they've been through so much shit together. So much, you know, emotional shit. And, you know, her death really hit me hard this time through just because of, a, just how beautifully it's acted mm-hmm. out between the two and how hurt Joel is afterwards when he realizes he has to abandon Tess to the military. Like, Tess takes down two military men on her own, but she dies in, like, a blaze of glory because yeah. she just refuses to change. But, like, Tess had probably 20 minutes of full screen time, probably. But, mm-hmm. like, it was so powerful and so effective how they just... Yeah. changed her character. So, James, let's illuminate you a little bit on the story. Because why, who is Tess? Why does she want that favor from you? These are questions you might have. So basically, you and Tess, you being Joel, uh, this hardened, I guess, ex-father. I have no idea how to describe that. That's a really terrible term for it. But A father. father. Like, I don't think <laughs> Just because you your daughter dies doesn't make you not a father. But, like, you're not an active father? Okay, yeah, I don't need to continue this. But the point is, yes. Okay, so, <laughs> yes. We're going to get hate mail about that. But, by the way, yeah. but that's, oh, yeah. that's the point. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's the point of his Jesus. character. The point of his character is you get to see that he had a daughter. She gets murdered um, in front of his eyes, and then he has to basically open up again to another human being, specifically a a kid that was approximately of his daughter's age, despite him being 20 years later. So that's kind of the 20-hour story arc of this game. Um, But early on, you're basically just doing jobs. Like, you're just doing, like, you know, pill deliveries and gun transfers and illegal stuff. Um, But to make ends meet, and specifically between uh, Tess uh, and Joel, like, he 
does classic couple stuff where he just kind of is kind of aggro about her because she goes off on her own and he doesn't think that's safe and she gets hurt she gets mugged by the way she's she gets through by the way because she is hardened but he's just like why didn't you include me like what are you doing like this is dangerous out there they're bickering but it's because they care and they know how dangerous it is um and eventually basically sparing some details they get a job to deliver this kid and they're supposed to deliver this kid to, you know, this other Firefly hideout and specifically other things. And yeah, it starts to go crazy eventually. But they're trying to do that. And they, at some point, get confronted by the the police officers that test every one of them. And they realize that Ellie, of all people, is actually infected, quote unquote, but unlike every other person you've ever encountered that's turned in three days and more realistically, like a day and a half, two dude. Days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two days. Um, she mm. hasn't turned. And that's why the Fireflies, which is the underground sort of resistance group, that's why they value her so much. That's why they, they want her to get to a doctor because she might be the key to the cure, despite it having been 20 years of this outbreak and potentially no hope. And so mm. she might just be the cure. And she didn't ask for it, um, but she's got scars, and you spend days with her and in those days you sit there and go fuck that that's you're she's lying to us this is bullshit but you realize she's not turning and you start and even though these characters are gruff they realize this might just be the real deal and it might just be bigger than the petty crimes they were doing to survive and tess is far more on board with this concept than joel is joel's like fuck this this is way too much hassle but then right tess gets bit she realizes that her days are numbered and she basically just says, you have to do this. Do it for me. Like, you have to do this. And it hits so hard for him. It mm-hmm. hits so mm-hmm. hard for him because he's such a strong, gruff character that has just stopped opening himself up for fuck's sake because it hurts too much. But he can't help but avoid this. They, they, you know, it's this mission outside the safety of their they're um the confines of like the whatever the, the quarantine zone it's not quite a quarantine zone maybe it is mm-hmm. um but That's what it's called. yeah the quarantine zone but you know it's like they're going out there to try to get things done things go crazy of course and then he realizes he kind of has to do this and it's him coming to terms with whether or not he wants to do this whether or not this is just a job whether or not he cares about her at all, whether he can allow himself to care about her whether he can allow himself to care about anything so that's kind of the emotional underpinnings of this story and something i i think adds to the story and something we can highlight. I think it's it would be easy from a narrative standpoint to be like, you know, Tess and Joel's like they're rugged, but they do like they they try their best type thing. It's like I have no doubt in my mind that they were ready to either leave Ellie there or kill her when they first found out that she was infected. Um, And just that little little bit of just like, oh, it's like these aren't what you would call like good guys. Yeah. Type things like they thought that they thought that Marlene, the the head of the Fireflies, had set them up, and they weren't. They didn't have a ton of qualms about either leaving Ellie there or just getting rid of her. Yeah, yeah, because she's mm. becoming more hassle than she's worth. Plus, like she's a human being also, and they keep ordering her to do stuff, and she doesn't quite always do it because she's a human <laughs> being. And so they're like, "What the fuck am I doing? Like this is like this is delivering the most dangerous package of all time because sometimes the package just walks off or steals some random <laughs> shit." <laughs> So it's really it's really high stakes for them, but it becomes this point of like Zoe was saying, this really impactful moment where Tess just says, Have I not earned anything in our relationship, not even necessarily romantic, but probably also, but just in our knowing each other, have I not earned anything? You have to do this. Like, or else this world might just be 
doomed. This is the real fucking deal. Mm. And it's crushing. It's crushing. Um, and I think maybe everything in this game is crushing, at least so far. It's. I think that's kind yeah. of the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> they hit you hard. Yeah, not a lot of happy moments so far. There are, but... I mean, there are lots of light moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any, like... Any, yeah, there are lots of light moments. So I, I would bring up this concept that um, I think there's like a back and forth between these two characters that really defines like, you know, in some games where they have a narrator and you kind of get to roll around with, with the narrator's thoughts and you get to just accept that. Um, or there's a main character and you get to just sort of be like, this is the way I'm going to interpret the story. They kind of have a dual dynamic here between Ellie and Joel and Joel is really hardened, as we've described before. He doesn't really want to deal with anything. He wants to eye on the prize, march forward. And you get the sense that if he were to get the prize, he's maybe never gotten it and maybe never will. But if he does, you get the sense he might collapse and die at that moment um, from basically the pent-up stress and pent-up everything that he's been holding off, but he's going to get there. Whereas Ellie is a much more comedic relief style of person, but not because she's a comedic relief character, but because that's how she deals with this. She deals with it by making light of it, making jokes, reading a comic book she found in a comic book store. Meanwhile, they're killing people and zombies are trying to kill them. And so you get to see both sides of this kind of story from these two different perspectives and they don't gel particularly well because he's just like, focus, come on, stop looking at the gnomes. Whereas she's like, don't you think it's ridiculous that there are gnomes here in the middle of this fucking apocalypse? And so there's those both sides. And um, I've actually personally found myself, uh, when I originally played it, I think I was, I mean, I obviously was somewhere in the middle, but I think I was a little bit closer to Ellie where I was like used to games that didn't take themselves seriously. And I think this one definitely does take itself seriously and succeed for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, But now uh, more adult, I really see what Joel is trying to do. And I respect how much he's trying to eye on the prize to make sure everyone lives. And so there's this beautiful dynamic where I think both characters have a lot of value to their worldview and how they're dealing with this, but the gelling between them is where all the friction comes from, and that's the twenty-year de- or twenty-hour development that we're we're seeing. Mm. Right, because I mean, and to add on to that, because Joel knows what life was like before the pandemic, before the outbreak, and so he's aware of the happiness he had before and how not normal his current situation is, whereas Ellie was born into the not normal. So what's not normal for Joel is, you know, peaches and roses for Ellie, (laughs) practically, Mm -hmm, where she just has such a cheery outlook on everything because that's all that she knows. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so like you, you encounter a wide range of characters on this journey to get Ellie to a doctor to, uh, you know, in hopes that she's this cure for this outbreak. And, you know, all of these characters that they meet have some sort of backstory to them and it's always hinted at. And uh, one of the characters, he's personally one of my favorite characters in the game just because he's so, he's such a realistic apocalyptic character, but it's the character of Bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I absolutely love Bill just because one, the game kind of hints at him even before you even get into his territory where he's just like, oh, well, we'll have to get supplies from Bill. And they're just like, oh, Bill, like, do I, do we have, <laughs> do we have to meet Bill? Like, and you kind of later learn Bill is just this guy who lives outside the quarantine zone. He lives amidst yeah. the zombies in his own little safe house, but he is this 
very paranoid survivor who refuses to live under martial law in the quarantine zone, but also is like fighting for his life every single fucking day. Um, So he's just really super paranoid. He's like really sarcastic. He's very pessimistic about everything. Um, His and Ellie's back and forth are just... Yeah, he hates Ellie. Well, he's like very just, much a lone yeah. wolf kind of character where he's like, he re- clearly like really does not want to help you. But he looks at Ellie right. and he's like, this is someone who's going to get you killed. Yeah, this is And a he liability. says so much. Like, she is going to get you killed. And Joel kind of agrees a little, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's also like, I'm fucking doing this. And then, of course, they get in this back and forth about, why the fuck are you doing this? And Joel's like, don't you fucking push me. But the reason is because he's like, Tess told me to, man, and it fucking hurts. I don't want to yeah. talk to you about that shit. And, and Bill's like, mm. I can't believe Tess agreed to this. And like, as oh. a player, you're like, uh. Oh, God, but there's so many times dead. where I'm just like, oh. Joel, just, yeah, I was just like, Joel, just tell Bill that Tess died. Tell Joel that Tess died. Like, and, and. Also, what goes into the naturalness of it, though, Bill just goes on insulting Tess, being like, ah, oh, she's probably whoring off with some guy somewhere. Wait, like, yeah. Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, yeah he, okay. makes, he makes a <laughs> comment about how, like, oh, she's probably whoring off with some guy, and, like, oh, like, Tess, Tess really isn't smart in this situation. She's yeah. clearly lost her touch or something like that. Yeah. And you keep on just wanting to take Joel by the shoulders and just be like, tell him yeah. that Tess just died. Right. But... Like protecting doesn't. Tess's honor from like, yeah. the other side of the screen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and but like that's kind of what goes into the. It, it speaks to Joel's character, where Joel's like, "I can't reveal to Bill this weakness that my partner has just died." Yeah. And yet, like you as the player, just like, can you just please tell him that Tess dies so he can lay off her? For yeah, yeah. I say? Absolutely. <laughs> And by the way, if we're talking about that, it does end up in a reverse situation, which is actually honestly beautiful, where it turns out Mm -hmm. that Bill has a partner. um, Had a partner. Exactly. Has and turns into had, and you actually encounter their body where they were holed up in a house and they hang themselves not to be overrun. And there's this moment where Bill then starts to break down in a similar way to Joel, actually. And they have this both moment of like, there's an openness between both of them being ridiculously closed uh, male-type figures, and you realize <laughs> they're just sitting there, and they acknowledge and move on, but also at the same time, it's like, it's fucking beautiful, right? It's fucking beautiful yeah. um, in the middle of all this to just see that, like, dude, everyone has the weakness. It's in there somewhere, um, and if something really happens that matters to you, it's it's going to show, and so they're both kind of hiding, and it both kind of fails in a, in a beautiful crescendo to meeting Bill, so... Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome. But also, like, dude, again, I'll just say as the gameplay person, I'm not really the gameplay person, but I love gameplay. Like, they, Bill makes homemade traps that blow up, and he teaches you, and you use them. It, like, it just all fits, yeah. man. Like, he's he's out there trying to create traps for zombies, and all of a sudden you're learning traps, and he's teaching you about all sorts of crazy shit. It's just like, oh, it's just so, it's so cohesive. But yeah, uh not too much into like get to Bill. Like you have to pass through all these traps by setting them off, and mm-hmm. then you reach Bill. And he's like, "Well, yes, Joel, you come into my house, <laughs> mm-hmm. you set off all my yeah. traps, and, like you steal all my shit." I'm like, like, "Oh, you saw that?" Like <laughs> <laughs> he offers for that one. He says it's okay. Yes, 
<laughs> and and there's also, by the way, this beautiful uh, concept of like honor or something that happens here where there's an honor to test, to, to finish this job, if you would. And there's an honor mm-hmm. and you don't really, ex- they don't, it's not explained, but between Bill and Joel of why Bill will help you at all. He apparently owes you for something and he's not particularly right. happy about it, but he acknowledges that it is not trivial and that he will help you try to get a car and get out of here, even though he doesn't like it. And you're sitting there going, the fuck is that? The fuck is in this world so powerful that he's willing to risk mm-hmm. his life for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm. so should we, okay. You know, fun little sequence where they you get tied up on the, the back of a fucking bath, uh, sorry, what is it, like a fridge trap? And you're shooting some people. Some nice gameplay section there. Oh my there. god! The upside down. <laughs> oh, I, you are upside down. You are only armed with a gun. You a pistol. Yeah, a pistol. pistol. Yeah. Yeah. You instruct Ellie to cut the rope off of the counterweight, which is this fridge on the other side of the room. And meanwhile, runners are ca- coming at you. And by the way, McCoy, I looked it up. There is another class of zombie oh. called stalkers, oh. which are the in-between between the runners and the clickers. Oh. Apparently, they only pop up once in the basement of the hotel with the bloater, and then one in the sewers, and then in the deep. That is what I'm referring to, though. Those motherfuckers, because they're really okay. fast. Mm-hmm. They're really fast yeah. and really <laughs> erratic. Mm-hmm. And I know this because, holy mother of God, it's hard to shoot them. Holy mother, because I'm going for the headshots. I'm like, bro, I ain't wasting ammo. Double damage. Let's yeah. go. And I'm like, I can't headshot these guys. Never fucking yeah. mind. So Right. So then imagine trying to do headshots while upside down at runners running at you. And they still let you run out of ammo. They, yeah. they have no qualms mm-hmm. about being like, well, you shouldn't have missed so much. Yeah. Exactly. And you're furiously <laughs> reloading like, this fucking like magnum or something. Oh, my God. It's brutal. And the runners come at you and sure, you can like mash the square button to get them away from you and like but then every once in a while in that wave of runners there's a clicker coming towards you and you Mm -hmm. have four bullets and you're like all four of these bullets have to fucking count yeah Yeah. (laughs) because if that clicker gets to me i don't have a shiv i don't have any means so like that's basically the game's way of being like hey by the way instant death is coming at you in t minus 15 seconds i mean (laughs) one of the parts i love about that scene is joel is not safe I mean, so there's kind of like two parts of this. There's one you're kind of closer to the ground hanging up, but then the fridge falls up over and you're kind of safe and you're protecting Ellie from there. And Joel just yelling at Ellie, like, hurry up. I'm like, she's the per... What? She's being attacked by infected (laughs) people. You are eight feet above the ground, Joel, please. Yeah, (laughs) true, true. (laughs) Show a little grace. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just, oh my god, the the amount of him just yelling at her to do stuff is yeah. like, yeah. it's like, well, and of course she's just kind of like, I'm trying, it's stuck, and I'm like, oh, for a fucking course, it's stuck. Try, try harder. I know. Well, because you're sitting there, and it's like there's a lot of instances where you're like, there's a practical hurdle between us and safety, but also us and death, and it's this pipe on the yeah. other side of this fucking door, and so how are we? And so yeah. it's like trying to get it out, and you're just like, oh god, please, please. <laughs> Please, like, how do I die to a fucking pipe in a in a door handle? But yeah, right. I think, and something I like about the gameplay as well is like, so again, yeah. There's scenes where stealth's better. There's scenes where we have to like attack and things like that. But I found, especially in the scenes with Bill, when you're kind of going into like his safe house the first time, it's like there's a certain level. It's like you just gotta run. Yeah. 
which is horrifying because especially like the first couple times you play, so you don't know where you're running. Mm -hmm. yeah. You just know it's okay. I can't take all these people. He's got a safe house somewhere. I'm just going to run and hope that Bill moves his slow ass and gets the window open, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> you can use to lose a few. Excuse me, early. Don't say that to Bill. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's so true. And honestly, I don't know how it went for you guys, but for me, those running sequences are sometimes they really expose how gameplay they are. But in this case, I feel like I yeah. barely made it to the end and the cutscene barely had me make it to the end. And I was like, this kind of fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, nice job. So is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of Bill's character? He's a, definitely a good character. Um, I guess we could reference what we were alluding, alluding to earlier. They basically allude that his partner in crime is, like, his partner, like, romantically, and that he has some, like, pornographic mm -hmm. magazines that Ellie gets to see. And there's, like, this really cute scene where she's in the back of the car, and she's just, like, looking at this, like, male porn magazine. And she's just like, how does he walk around with that thing? And he's like, Ellie. Give me that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about this right now, Ellie. Well, yeah, and then she asked why the pages are all stuck together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, but then she's like, I'm, I actually yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, I'm fucking with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, um, I, I liked kind of how natural and organic that was of kind of hinting at like, oh, yeah, not everyone's straight, but not being like, yes. you know, Joel? I have something to tell yeah. you. It's like, okay, so that, that, that's not, that wouldn't be realistic at all. Yeah. And I appreciate the way that they did that both with Bill's character and we can talk about Ellie right, a little bit later, later about how it is, and reasonably, it's like, this is an apocalypse situation. People aren't going to get all it's not the first thing they're talking arms, about. Yeah. It's not like you introduce yourself yeah. and you're like, yeah. I just want you to know. And Bill's in this like, apocalyptic I'm a situation, as clickers run at us, yeah. like, I am the gay character. Yeah, exactly. And, like, despite Bill being, like, sorry, no, sorry, despite Joel being the lumberjack figure, uh, you know, despite him being just, like, ridiculously ripped at all times, it's not like Bill is just flirting with him as his opening line. In fact, he never does. And it's like... Right. Exactly. I think I think you said it so well. The subtlety there is it is its strength. I think. Yes. Because that, I think this yeah. whole game, mm. the subtlety and like the naturalness of it, is its strength. That's why the storytelling is so good and why they get away with so much is because it's subtle and it so it feels realistic and natural. Yeah. yeah. Like it isn't like they. Sit. It doesn't rely on tropes. It feels real. Right. Because yeah. yeah. Bill yeah. is Bill is, is not what games up until that time had approached mm -hmm. as a gay character. Like, right. he's Agreed. just this... Or since, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I... he's just this gruff-looking, everyday, everyday It looks Joe. like he's living through an apocalypse. Yeah. There's not, yeah. like, manscaping going on. <laughs> he's not, like, he's not... Oh, you've been getting yeah, those ads, too. Not... <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, everyone's going to look a little bit rough right now. You're not going to be able to point someone up and be like, yeah, he's a twink. <laughs> no, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it's like they don't sit there. There's so, like we've we've already gone into insane detail about how much backstory they put into this game, even if it's just in a sign or it's on a whiteboard that you don't even have to look at. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's a little bit less subtle than that, but it's like it fits in that window dressing of of the world. Mm -hmm. And it's like to me, I think mm -hmm. that fits so well in a sense of there's so much urgency and and danger. It's like, how could you be thinking about being the stereotypical gay character in the middle right. of this? Like, like no, like sexuality, I think at least so far is, is 
quite under the surface here uh, in this yeah. game. And I, and I, mm, I go ahead. No, go no, ahead. please. And I think something that they do and just kind of like throw an extra twist into Bill's storyline is when before you're getting the car running, before you make your escape from Bill's town, you find this note that his partner left. Mm. And mm. it's this note from his partner to Bill basically being like, you are a... You're miserable mm -hmm. type thing. It's just really, it's really tough to read mm -hmm. because Joel, you can make the decision to give this letter to 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 um, Bill, and it feels like you're kind of part of this like super intimate private moment yeah. where you're kind of discovering these truths about this relationship and someone who meant a lot to Bill, and you're this outsider and you're and you're looking in on that. And I think. I think that's just a really nice way to kind of keep the keep the player kind of off balance a little bit of just kind of like, ooh, like I have nothing to say to this, but I'm also witnessing this at the same time. And it's like I'm leaving Bill with this knowledge as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. De definitely. And, and like, oh, man, like it's just, I don't know. I, I just remember playing that, you know, seven years ago and being like, that's what I'm talking about when I say mature. Like that is yeah. nice, like clean, yeah. well done, well thought through, empathetic, like maybe even a touch of sorrow, like, okay, mm -hmm. we're finally here, video games. We may leave once yeah. I turn this game off, but we're finally here in something that I can yeah. look at and appreciate. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like, it's funny, like I, I get often made fun of on our mainline podcast for not romancing anyone in Mass Effect, but it's just too forced for me. I'm too subtle of a person for that shit. Um, right. <laughs> it's just too, it's too out in the open. It's too, I don't like it. I don't like the way they go yeah, about it. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Same thing with Assassin's Creed. I'm like, girl, that's way too forward. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's someone's wife. <laughs> exactly. So like, I just, I just have so much of an appreciation for the delicateness with which people handle this within their own character within the game. They're not just saying mm -hmm. it to you. They're not just announcing it to you. It's not on their stat sheet. It's just, it's just a part of their character because it comes out. Stuff like that might come out in here and there, but it's in honest, normal, reasonable places. But also, I guess maybe I will also say, like, it is so fucked up in an apocalypse to steal someone's fucking porn mag. How many of those do they have? They might not have that many. That is so fucking wrong. <laughs> That is so fucking wrong. I was sitting there like, dude, you did this guy a fucking dirty move. Like, after he did yeah. all this for you, I know he was kind of an asshole, but Jesus Christ, that's all he has. And I think I think those relation that that little relationship between Ellie and Bill as well, it gives you a little bit more insight on Ellie as well. Mm -hmm. Of just like kind of before that, she's kind of she's in the back seat, she's following Joel. She's been part of this really horrifying moment between Joel and Tess, and she's feeling kind of and I feel like with Bill and after Bill, when she has the magazine and she's laughing about that, you get the glimpse of kind of like the teenager she is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she's mm. she's kind of mouthy. She's got a humorous streak. She's kind of irreverent. And I think it's kind of the first kind of hint or first kind of uh, extrapolation on the depth that they hint earlier um, in the game for her. And adding on top of that, she also steals shit like a motherfucker, and she's resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can appreciate that. She'll roll up with some shit yeah. later that you're like, nice. And he always tells her, don't. Yeah. And it's nice. And in fact, even there's a beautiful scene later where she steals that toy mm -hmm. for Sam. Yeah, I feel like that's like the elephant in the room is Sam yep. and Henry, because oh, they have such a sad storyline. 
Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. It does not end well. I, it was so, so I was trying to be gingerly about how I described this section because we were trying to say we need to finish XYZ for the podcast. We were talking to Elena's sister who hasn't played the game before and I didn't want to say the words the ends of the brothers chapter. Yeah, whereas I legitimately you know I mean? did not remember what happened to them. And so when to... I said for the podcast, I was like, great, well, we'll just play through the end of the two brothers. I couldn't even remember who the two brothers were. Um, and I just <laughs> did not remember what was going to happen to them. And then as yeah. we started to play, I like yeah. had this premonition, like from the very moment yeah. we met them, I was like, they're going to be fucking zombies in there. I was like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I just, the whole time I was preoccupied being like, there are zombies somewhere. Like it's going to have like one. And I just you got, you just got a bad vibe. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, and so like the, the Sam and Henry section introduces a new aspect of this, of, of the world and that this outside world isn't just run by zombies, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's also run by these ruthless, I want to call them militia groups. Yeah. Yeah, like or, or they're just something. people who, yeah, they've they, pushed the military out. It's like, so they haven't, they have enough firepower. Oftentimes they overtake these quarantine zones from the military. Yeah. It's like they're right. not, so they're, maybe they are militia, but they're just they're like marauders that, yeah, they something like games? that. I mean, these yeah. are just motherfuckers with guns and bats and fucking, it's yeah. just shit and they'll kill people and they'll steal shit like they're just i don't even know terrorists yeah they just take hmm. over an entire so i think they, they take over pittsburgh yeah. as the main mm-hmm. city and so you basically need to fight your way through pittsburgh because also for you james this doctor's clinic all we know about it so far is that it's quote unquote out west mm. so uh from boston <laughs> going <laughs> Out west, that could be anywhere. Yeah, but, um, yeah literally. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so you're kind of getting your way through Pittsburgh, and it introduces yeah this whole other threat. So you, not only now do you have zombies that you need to be weary about, but now you have these fully outfitted, yeah, yeah marauder groups mm-hmm. that are. How are you traveling, by the way? Are you walking? Are you driving? So the whole plot line with Bill is that Bill is going to fix a car up for you. So you get a car from Bill. Um, Okay. You have to the whole, like the main, I don't know, mission is going to recover a battery that's still working for the car. And so you put in the car. And so when you leave Bill, you drive away in a car. And so you drive from Boston to Pittsburgh. And then when you get there, sort of your car crashes, basically. Well, yes. And also there's um, a bunch of, you you get to a fork in the road on the highway, but once is, uh, one of the ways is completely filled up with with abandoned cars and um, it's just like stopped. So you have to go the other way and it ends up being a trap. It ends up being potentially orchestrated and or at least taken advantage of by these marauders mm-hmm. in order to basically steal your shit. Um Mm. And it's the most elaborate plan I've ever seen in my life. Like if you, there's like a diagram where you like see it and they're like, we planned on them coming down the highway, then speeding through like this section. Then we use a bus from the side for a T-bone and you're like, excuse me, what? Let's like three blocks down. Like how the fuck did you plan that? That's like some real orchestrated shit. Um, But nonetheless, this is the first time you find outside of, I would say the, the, like the police in the quarantine zone, this is the first time you find human, non-infected, that are just out to kill you, man. And you just realize this is a dangerous yeah. fucking place, no matter which motherfuckers you refind it. Mm. So. Right. And so you run into Henry and Sam, who are also people just trying to get out of Pittsburgh as well. Because as far as they know, these marauders, uh, Sam is the kid, right? I believe yeah. so. Sam is a 
boy who's a little bit younger than Ellie. He looks to be about 10 years old. Yeah. I think he says he's 12 Yeah, I think he's 12 or 13. That was my... Well, he says 14 at one point. Yeah, and his older brother laughs at him. It's like, oh, see, you're 14. I mean, it's a very it's cute a very thing cute. to do. Oh, of like, oh, yeah, a kid yeah. totally would lie to this girl to be like, no, I'm 14 Well, because Ellie like, says I'm 14 and this kid being... the the, the, the Yeah, this kid being a little you're younger right. is like, yeah. no, I'm 14 too. You know what I'm saying? Like that classic. But like, yeah. that by the way is something that I, like, I'm amazed that I, I mean, think to yourself, I mean, when was the last time in media, or at least in games, you saw them play on that? That's such a fucking human mm-hmm. thing, but I don't think I've seen anyone reference that. Just, like, being a kid right. and wanting to be older, but just in that, like, specifically age number way, like, where you really care mm-hmm. about the difference between 12 and 14, because that, to you, might as well be a lifetime. Right. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, sorry. It, it's just another part of that naturalness and the dialogue that Naughty Dog does so well. Mm-hmm. Um Mm. But yeah, so basically all you know about the Marauders is that they are a group that does not keep kids. Yeah. So like already Henry and Sam are in trouble because yeah. uh, Sam is just a kid. Um, so basically they team up with Ellie and Joel to fight their way out of Pittsburgh, um, fighting both zombies as well as, you know, this Marauder group. <laughs> so I think now is the time that we get to talk about the hotel. Oh my God, the hotel. <laughs> yeah, there's like a generator scene where you have to pull a generator and you're like, I wonder if fucking zombies are going to swarm me and fucking zombies swarm you. <laughs> and it is yeah. fucking brutal. And so you know it's going to make a bunch of noise. Ellie is separated from you. And this was the time I think my the first playthrough I did like kind of um, like the more narrative mode, which thank God they have because... Jesus. Yeah. But I think it was like the first time I played on actual normal mode. I was in like right before you pulled the generator, I had two pistol bullets and that was it. <laughs> and I know as soon as you pull this generator th- thing, you're going to have multiple runners. You're going to have these stalkers that apparently exist, yep. which I was not differentiating at the point because I was in terror. <laughs> um, and this bloater. And I'm not joking when I say it was weeks of being stuck there. Because every time I'd respawn, they'd be like, hey, you've got two bullets. I'm like, so I thought we've been through this that I I can't do shit with this. Um, oh, my God. And so that that's my own personal trauma with that. And actually, um, <laughs> I got through it my first time, this time on hard. And that is because my new strategy is you pull the string and you run like hell. Yeah, you just run. And it worked. It's like just sprinting. There's things running after, you know? You just run. You you, you throw your pride to the wind. Yeah. Joel will never be able to look at anyone in the face again. But you you run, you shriek, you, you do the the whole whole nine yards. I love that. And by the way, bless um, the two of yours hearts because we were texting about podcast scheduling and I was like, hey, so I'm on this basement part. It's pretty difficult. We're getting slowed down. I'm also a very slow player. It's also on hard, et cetera, et cetera. And then they just sent me this flurry of like, you know, you can run, bro. Like seriously, it's this new strat we figured yeah, out. Like, like dude, like you've got to check this shit out. And <laughs> bless your heart for that. It's funny. I had, I, had, I had already just passed it, but just like the concept of like, dude, like late game, like next level strats we figured out is you can run. Yeah, <laughs> I've been through the war a couple times. <laughs> Just gotta drop it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that. Oh man. So they also give you another one of those bloaters, the big guys that's uh, there, and you're in sort of this situation where you basically have to ring around the Rosie a ton, or I guess run, which is awesome. Uh, uh, but like, <laughs> I basically eventually got down to the the premeditation point of like, okay, 
I'm going to set a trap here and a trap here. And then I'm going to kite this person through these traps, specifically the bloater. But then these like the runners or the, I think they're the stalkers were, were hitting the traps. And I was like, fuck, OK, actually, I need to set the traps in motion after I've killed all the stalkers. And it was this like crazy orchestrated, like sniping all the stalkers and then finally getting this stare down in a hallway with this bloater. And there's like two explosives between me and it. And I'm just shooting it with my rifle <laughs> as it just steps through. And I'm just like, how many of these are you going to take? How many of these are you going to take? Stay down. Stay down. Um, and finally it does. That's probably how the game designers <laughs> intended this to be. I really doubt that Neil Druckmann was looking at this and he's like, and the only way you can get through this is just, you, you drop your pride, you run, every little vibration of your controller causes you to shriek. It's like, I don't, I, I really, you know, he can be a little meta. I don't think that's what he intended for me to do, but we did it. Dude, I think you're absolutely right. But speaking just so funny, to remind me of this, it's slightly related, but the controller, did you guys notice on the PlayStation 4 that the flashlight clicks through the fucking controller? Yes. It's such a nice touch. I love it. <laughs> I like McCoy it. hates it. Do you I hate, hate it? it. Oh, I like but you can turn it off. Yeah, but you off. can turn it off. It's funny. It's it's. We got through one session. He was like, "We have to turn this shit off." <laughs> I had to like. I googled that <laughs> specifically. Like, I, and it was so funny because when I googled it, I was like, I, I actually googled it. Um, very neutral. Like, you know, Last of Us, uh, two or sorry, Last of Us remastered, uh, controller like light, you know, camera, whatever, switch sound right. and the first post was oh my god what a brilliant touch and i was like what the fuck <laughs> Who <could think laughs> wrong this? opinion <laughs> so my bad on that oh. i mean it's sure it's not for everyone i thought it was a nice touch just because there are constant times in the old last of us where i never knew if my flashlight was on or not or like i don't know it's just nice to have that extra input of like the click so you I, know. I think i think the touch of like having to jostle your controller like recharge your light so, so random mm -hmm. but like i don't hate it yeah. i don't yeah. i mean i don't know what realism that has but you know you're going to this tough area and your light starts flickering you're like mm, see i could yeah, yeah that's scary like you basically like bash it against your hand like you would a, a broken electronic yeah. i mean yeah. basically yeah. so so, so yeah. it might be one of the best uses of that technology that's ever existed because the, the playstation 3 had this in form of six axis they didn't have the microphone but they they later continued mm -hmm. the successes a little more and it was used exclusively for such mini games that you will all remember as crossing the board and not falling off. And that, you know what I mean? Like, we have like <laughs> tilt to like balance yeah. your character. And that shit sucks, bro. Um, but this yeah. might be the best of all uses in a way that might also mm -hmm. signal a mature development, you know, in terms of the life cycle of the console. So, okay, fair enough. You guys can have that. It's awesome if you like it. If you're me, it tilts me off to the face of the goddamn planet. But hey, fair enough. So, okay, should we talk a little bit more about this arc of these brothers, who they are, maybe a little bit about their character? Yeah, although a little I bit do, about... I feel like I've been thinking about this as you discussed how much you hate the flashlight. And in some ways to me, it is a little bit of a disservice to Last of Us to discuss some of these story moments because there is just no way that we can say them in a way that will like show you as the listener 
how good they are and how hard they hit. So like if you are listening to this right now and you've gotten this far, you've already had a whole bunch of Last of Us spoiled for you, just like James has. But (laughs) I want to take a moment to just say like, do not be like James. Like don't do it this way. Like go play this game because it's so good. And whatever we say right now, like Mm -hmm. it will not compete. Like, I feel kind of wrong even just trying to describe what happens in a lot of Last of Us because mm-hmm. it's so good and it's so well done. Right. That, like, you should just experience it. We don't... Of I, course. I don't have, like, the words to explain to you why it's so touching or, like, whatever. But on the other side, right, mm-hmm. If should you have already had that experience and you want desperately to hear someone talk about it? Oh, I yeah. Think- if you already played it, you're, you're totally good. I'm just saying. If you haven't played it yet, like, really, I want you in this moment to, like, really seriously reconsider your choices. James just leaves the call. Like, <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James. A user has left yeah, your channel. No, exactly. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I don't mean to personally call you out. I'm just like, it, some parts of this game are just so good that they're... We just won't do them justice. So there's a there's this lady at my work um, that I obviously haven't seen for months because, you know, public, you know, events and stuff that things that have happened. But anyways, I remember right before I left, I actually gave her – she has a PS4 and I gave her like six of my notable games. And I was just like, look, dude, I, they're just sitting on my shelf. You should just have them. Um, or, you know, give them back eventually or something. Last of Us was one of them, so we had to buy another copy. By the way, $10 digital download, not bad. Nice. Um, but – yeah, I gave her that, and I gave her Horizon Zero Dawn, which she really enjoyed because she'd been playing Assassin's Creed previously. And I remember saying, look, hey, I don't really have a great sense. Exactly, we've talked a little bit of how, like, where your game's literacy is, where your interests are, but I don't really care. You should play Last of Us, I think, mm-hmm. if you have a PlayStation <laughs> here. And she came back to me and said, wow, this story is so interesting, but I'm having a lot of difficulty. And I said, oh, just turn it down. You know, don't worry. Like, turn the difficulty down. It's don't, don't worry about that. And it was weird. She was looking at me with this a little bit of pride. Like, you know, I don't know if I want to turn the difficulty down. And I actually believe to this day she has stopped and not completed it due to the difficulty. And I felt so bad because I was like, you have no idea. There's no pride. There's no nothing. Play it at a level that you can enjoy it because holy fuck, is it worth it? Like, if you have a PlayStation, Mm -hmm. oh my God, you've got to play this game. Like, that's just my opinion. I'll be the first to say, like, I play every sort of combat game on narrative mode first. That is the best edition. Like, Mm -hmm. especially for someone who, like, cares a lot about the story it's like if i get stuck in a hotel basement for three weeks Mm -hmm. and your story isn't good i'm not gonna keep playing so it's like having that narrative mode where they're like we got you don't yeah right don't worry we're gonna give you 20 bullets yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah i'll be the first to just say like i i have no shame in playing things on casual slash narrative mode just because i appreciate story i appreciate themes i'm able to you know commentate on combat a little bit Mm -hmm. but what matters to me is story and obviously that's been one of naughty dog's biggest Mm -hmm. strengths and i i think this generation specifically after ever since banjo kazooie did it have a difficult yeah the grandfather of all story games yeah <laughs> yeah it's one of those exactly. like honeycomb type things you got to collect and yeah 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 the story behind that was really yeah, incredible same with <laughs> super mario and then... thank you james especially once you learn the symbolism behind the honey i know they were all just on lsd yeah. or some shit and they just i don't know it always is like that it's always <laughs> fucking like that they're like how did you come up with this and like well okay wait back on track okay back on track i want to yeah, say very saying. quickly that difficulty is such an interesting conversation. We may not have to dig into it so much here, but I just want to say that games have come a long way. 
with understanding what difficulty means. I think there are some games that have come out here and been somewhat trend-setting in not having difficulty settings at all and being Where's unashamedly... Where's the Dark Souls horn? Hit yeah. it. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> there you go. It's that one. But the point is, it's um, it was unashamedly hard, and I think it was a, a status symbol to beat it, and that's what they wanted it to be. But I also think there's been a really beautiful counter-movement of really reframing in the words that you use. But man, boy, is it powerful. To say easy versus... Maybe, you know, maybe easy and casual might be in the same boat, but then narrative mode has such a different yeah. connotation to it. And if you're thinking from a design perspective, when you're sitting there and your job is to make narrative mode, you don't just make a game that's easy and unfun. You make a game that really highlights the narrative and de-emphasizes the combat. And that's such a fucking rad mm. thing to do yeah. for people. So yeah. it's really exciting to see that movement. Um Okay, sorry. Where were we? We were, I guess, maybe... Sam and Henry. Sam and Henry, we're going to give them their spot. P.S. I said the wrong, the wrong game name. They, they did Crash Bandicoot, not, not the Thank one that I said. Thank you for clarifying that right. so we don't get emails. Yeah. <laughs> if you're really mad about the, James missing that, please give us five stars. Okay, moving on. Um. Yeah, so Sam and Henry <laughs> are these two brothers yeah. that you meet oh, in God. this crazy futuristic Pittsburgh where everyone wants to kill you. And they came there with a big group of people, but they got separated and scattered. And essentially it is like presumed that everybody yeah. else is dead. Yeah. So they're just trying to get out. Yeah. Henry's like, what do you think? Like 20 something? Something like that. He's mm -hmm. like, you know, a young man. Mm -hmm. And Sam is a little brother who's like 12, 13. Yeah. yeah. And it's very cute. Sam and Ellie bond immediately. Like, yeah. you can see they have, like, a kid dynamic where they're just hanging out. Um, and then you, as Joel and Henry, are, like, you know, killing stuff and trying to take care of the kids. And, yeah, yeah. that's who they are. Right. And then, like, I think Henry says, like, that one line of, like, that's the first time I've seen Sam smile yeah. and, yeah. like, forever. Yeah. Like, it, he always has to make that comment of, yeah. like, we've had such a miserable life and he's finally have some respite and you're like oh god yes. oh yes. god yeah. your soul is like this is gonna hurt. yes and and henry by the way like despite being very serious and very similar to joel in the sense that he wants to get things done he also takes things lightly to some degree too yeah. like he has a playfulness to his uh character and i will say by the way the way that you meet these people is you actually get into a like a, you basically sneak into their house on accident and they start to fight you and there becomes this moment where you're like a gun is actually got to at this point. It's a brawl. A gun is got to. And there's this realization on both sides. Both parties have a kid with them. So neither of them are the marauders. And they realize that instantly, holy fuck, you're another real person, like a, an honest individual. And they, they realize they have to befriend each other and work together after that. And it's, I think it's like just, I don't know. I mean, you could say it's another thing that just highlights the story. But it's actually like a, I think a pretty powerful moment where like, the the fact that they have these kids realizes that they're just trying to make it in this world and they're not trying to rob each other. Um, God. So I guess we could talk a little bit about how the Henry-Sam dynamic is, right? Like, so Sam, the kid, which we I keep saying over and over again because I, I, yeah, I think I'm right on that. I think we've established that, but okay, we'll see. Um, but yeah, like he is just constantly having to live up to his older brother's expectations because his older brother's like man we gotta sh there's no room for being a kid and i think that's a big theme in these games in general is that there's not no room but there's very little room for being a kid and there's very little room for making mistakes you have to be clean with your execution as best you can despite you being small and inexperienced because if you don't the alternative is death 
And so there's a lot of kids dealing with that in their own ways of trying to figure out how they can learn in this just absolutely do or die situation where the adults are doing their absolute best to keep them alive and they care so much, but they also can't accept you to, you know, do anything, make any mistakes, uh, focus on the wrong thing for the wrong second. All of that can mean death. So it's a super serious environment and it definitely gets to Sam. Um, and I think it gets to Ellie too in her own ways. And I think that's a, just a beautiful part yeah. to their character. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, definitely. And I mean, then of course the game has to do it to you where you fight your way mm-hmm. through, you know, marauder wave after marauder wave. You go through like a sniper section. Like you go through a lot of fighting sequences with these two where Henry proves to be like a really reliable companion. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also just bonding with Sam because, you know, he's a kid and you know, you kind of realize like what McCoy has mentioned, just the struggle of being a kid in such a crazy world. Then the game just has to take your heart in its paw and just rip it <sighs> out of your chest. You. Oh, and it's one of those things where like you just, you see it happening because you, the game has put you as Joel way up in a sniper perch. Yeah. And those three are on the ground and you've been shooting marauders with the sniper at clearing a path for them to get through. And like you've killed them all and you're like, great, come on up. And then out of the side, a whole bunch of clickers run out and you start shooting them. And as you're shooting them, um, they like the clickers instantly grab or like, I don't, I don't know what to call it. Grab, get, get sure. to yeah. um, Sam and Henry both. And at you, the same time. Yeah, at the same time. Now, I actually have a gameplay question for those of us who have played it 100 million times because I didn't look this up. There seems to be, so you have a bolt action rifle, so it's shot, pull the bolt mm-hmm. back, put it, you know, cycle it. In other words, you're only going to get one, then there's going to be a pause, and then you can shift another. And there's an instance, it seems, where both brothers, the young and the old, uh, are both overtaken by zombies at the same time, and you can only shoot one of them off quickly enough, say, um, and I was curious if that actually gives you a different outcome because I, I know that I shot the instinctively, uh, the one off of the bigger brother. Uh, and I believe that's what I did seven years ago. So I'm not actually sure if it changes or not, or if that has anything to do with anything. I don't believe it does. Okay. Um, I believe it's kind it's the same outcome. It's kind of like a fake choice. Mm. Or like a, a faked perceived choice where you feel like you need to decide like which clicker to shoot off. But I think no matter what, the same thing I think happens. So okay. Yeah. Which from my point of view as a really indecisive person, I appreciate just because with all these games now that like what you choose will haunt you in 17 playable hours. I'm like, so let's not do that. You had orange juice for I know. Yes. Oh my God. So shattered that plate on the table. <laughs> so i uh, appreciate that and i appreciate just kind of in general it's like even in these moments where it just narratively just rips your heart out i like the fact that it is a linear narrative of um and i can go a little bit more into this please do oh yeah so something again i I mentioned this is one of the first games i played that had kind of a more narrative storyline and that was the focus And so while you explore this world and while you get a good kind of, you feel like you can walk around and explore and things like that, there still is a very linear storyline that you are going through um, throughout your playing time. 
And I compare that to open world sure. games. I'm sp thinking specifically of um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Horizon Zero Dawn, where they've really given the player like the option of like, we're going to give you 145 missions and you can do them in whatever order you want, which it does give the player a lot of opportunity to explore and, you know, just kind of kind of get that feel. But it also means that the reason I haven't finished Horizon Zero Dawn is because I don't remember what the fuck anyone's name is in the main storyline. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like I've been playing these side quests long enough just to get my my levels up that I'm looking at like what the main storyline I'm like who's this yeah. like what yeah. what what am I doing again and so and I know a lot of people really enjoy those open world games where again yeah you get that freedom you, you know actually I was about to say if you're me playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey yeah you have Cassandra swim up to the island of Lesbos just to say you did it it's like <laughs> there's nothing in this story it's like I could do that I did spend about 20 minutes of her swimming freestyle in the fucking ocean but it was funny yeah. Yeah. but yeah so while that's a really stupid amount of freedom and we have exposed my level of immaturity um <laughs> I really do prefer having a linear gameplay, a linear narrative that everyone experiences in the same order. Yeah, and as a result, they can make it really tight and really Yeah, I impactful. think that like most of what we've yeah. been talking about in terms of how complete and how layered and how tight the world is is partially because they made it closed off to you. Yeah. Oh, and so they can really manage I, what you're experiencing. I'm completely on board with the linear stories are better for storytelling and mm -hmm. keeping you involved. I, I mean, I just think I, 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 as a person who hasn't played this game, it really feels like the kind of game that I would enjoy okay. compared to a lot of yeah. the games that we've been playing recently on the podcast. Yeah. Um, just that it's like, it sounds like it's a good novel compared to a choose your own adventure. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, it absolutely is. And there there can actually be moments in this game where either your character, who does a lot of this dialogue, but even another character can just turn to you. They're off in the sunset a little bit. They've stepped a couple forward, uh, you know, steps forward. They're near a car, whatever. They turn to you, look over their shoulder, and they just say, come on, we got to go. And you have to go. Yeah. And, like, I love that. I just fucking love mm. that, man. Like, that's it. Like, that. I'm in it now. As opposed to like, we've got to go. And you're like, yeah, but hold on. Actually, what I really want to do, it's like, <laughs> fuck that noise. <laughs> it's like, this is urgent. Okay, I'm going to get there in about three more weeks. <laughs> yeah, like, Wait, right? was this urgent? And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they've taken one step in like 30 hours, you know, because their character yeah. monster stands <laughs> there, there with looking over their shoulder like, we've got to go. We've got to go. Like they the city's under attack. Okay, it's gonna have to wait. So there's there's a real real beauty to that here. That just it really just it takes you down a path, and they, it's I mean it's it's scary in a way. Like you don't get nearly as much player choice. Like things are going to happen, and you may not get a choice yeah. about that. But as a result, if you trust these people to tell you a story, and I think you should, mm -hmm. and I know I did, mm -hmm. I don't regret it at all. It's it's powerful, um, as it takes you through, and so and I'm, I mean sorry, go ahead. It does feel like there's something realistic to that. It's like, regardless of how hard you try, you can't prevent Sam from being dead. Yeah. And it's like in other games, it's like, okay, I'm going to 
get really good at playing as Joel and I'm gonna kill everyone. It's gonna be perfect. And it's because I'm super competent. It's like, no, it's like there, there's some things you, you lose. Yeah. And so wait, so do us a mm. favor and tell us a little bit about that. You were setting up the two brothers story. So how does it culminate? Well, so after that sniper scene, it's figured out that Sam gets bit and he doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell anybody about it. And then uh, I'm assuming a couple days have passed, but basically Sam starts turning and he attacks Ellie. Yeah, there's a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. I think yeah. if I'm remembering correctly, he he starts he has a really pretty profound conversation with Ellie about um kind of turning and um other people can chime in if they have a better remembering because I stopped as soon as I jumped off the bridge in Pittsburgh. So. Oh really? <laughs> oh um he, yeah, oh yeah. yes he, he talks they they have a conversation and it's a it's a it's a twelve year old's conversation, but it's basically just like in a sense uh, metaphorically or something, uh, what is it like when you die? Like, because this kid knows mm -hmm. that he's infected and he just says things like, do you think there's a person trapped in that body of that runner that's running around? Do you think that, you know, they can still see, but they can't control? Do you think that's torture? And he is so frustrated and he's so out of his own character and he's looking at Ellie and he's saying things like, why aren't you ever scared? And part of it, by the way, is because she can't be infected and she can't tell that to people. They can't just go rolling around. Telling. I mean, she might have told them at some point, but she honestly might not have, to be honest. Like, no, I was yeah, going to say, I think, I think it was pretty much established before they even met Bill that they were just like, we're not going to tell anybody yeah. that you mm. are bit slash you are immune. Yeah. We don't like we we can't we can't use that as leverage because you are too valuable mm -hmm. and we can't risk you know, you getting kidnapped or you getting, you know, killed and by some other means. Cause she's still, she's still uh, susceptible to getting shot and killed right. that way. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't yeah, believe you're right. You're right. They, they never told Bill and I don't believe they ever told Henry or Sam. Which Henry either. and Sam and even Bill. And of course there's this one scene that we're kind of admitting where Henry makes a choice to potentially leave Joel, but it's cause he can't do much. Okay, fine. Yes. But then of course they talk mm -hmm. about how what the fuck else am I going to do, man? Like you would have done the same shit. But generally these are trustworthy characters. These are characters you're happy to have on your side. They're helpful in combat, but their story is, is, is powerful too. Their characters are powerful too. And even them, you're holding stuff close to the chest in terms of Ellie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's, this is sad scene where she can't tell him why she's not as scared as him and why the world isn't as dangerous for her. And so after, okay, sorry. So yeah, so that was the foreshadowing, but so, so then, then, they go to sleep and what happens then? Right. So they, they find a safe house. They go to sleep and Joel and Henry are woken up in the middle of the night to Sam. What? No, no, no. Um, Sam and, or sorry, uh, Henry and Joel are making. Yeah, they're making like some kind of stew. Oh, yeah, yeah, and Henry goes yeah. in to check yes. on him. Yeah. To go right. wake him up. So yeah, Ellie goes. Yeah. Right. Because she's like, Sam hasn't woken up yet. I'll go wake him up. And Sam attacks Ellie. Yeah. And so basically the first <laughs> thing, like Joel and Henry just see these two kids that they've been taking care of. Sam is attacking Ellie. And, and it's clear, like you can see Joel from his face goes, that he's turned. Yeah. Like it's not like, oh, he's gone crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, he's a zombie. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. And Joel pulls a gun and Henry pulls a gun on Joel. Um, right. Basically, it's like this standoff where Ellie's getting pinned by by Sam. It's like even though she can't 
get infected from getting bit and it's like she can get ripped apart by clickers and stuff like that there's still that very real real danger um but henry pulls a, a gun on joel and it's just this moment where he's like no that's like that's my brother right yeah so yeah there there is this standoff and then just this very heartfelt moment where henry just tells joel like please let me be the one to do it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, I need to be the one to do it. Um, and yeah, so he he has to kill his brother. And I think shortly after that, he is just so racked with grief that he himself commits suicide. Yeah. This is in like a three Yeah, minutes. it happens or like there's less, that foreshadowing. Or less. It might be a minute yeah. straight yeah, of just pure Because there's the foreshadowing. You're sitting there being like, oh, fuck, he's been bit. And then you see, because then he, yeah. and I got the little cutscene, he shows you as the... The player camera. the camera yeah. <laughs> yeah that he's been bitten you're like oh shit and then in like yeah a minute yeah. he attacks you know they wake up in the morning and you're like okay maybe everything's fine and then it's clearly not fine and then mm-hmm. yeah everything happens within a very short amount of time yeah, and they're henry both dead sam and then henry shoots himself and mm. it's just one of the the moments you can tell that even though they've been through this whole pittsburgh ordeal it's like you can almost tell like the sam and henry event that happened in one minute it's like that's heavily traumatic yes. for both yeah and, and i think in one of like the great gaming moments of the century then so this all happens yes. right they the you know sam shoots henry is that right henry no, shoots henry sam shoots henry, henry shoots, shoots his brother right yeah. they both die and then it just black screens and then it says and the word it, fall it and then it hits up. a fucking cord yeah yeah with a, a string new, a new season yeah. and that's where we stopped for this week and by the way i yeah. would say in hindsight criminal to stop there because i actually think the pacing of that plays out for the next five or so minutes, mm-hmm. um, which we actually play well, on our end. Well, because you as the player are in, are in shock. Like, you're just like, oh, and total my fucking shock. God. And mm-hmm. then it just, it black screens fall, it plays the Last of Us music, and then you restart, and the player and the characters are just sort of like, yes. they're somewhere completely different. They're kind of back in the swing of things, and it takes a little while for it to even come up. But you as the player are like, <gasps> and you're still kind of yeah. holding your breath and just, yes. yeah. Yes, ex- exactly. Like you, the player, are basically forced into a Joel-esque perspective where you don't have time to deal with it because you have to eye on the prize. And you walk around and you actually see later in the dam a child's grave. And Ellie then says, hey, man, I, I never actually put the toy that I took for Sam. I never put it in his grave. And Joel just says, I don't want to fucking talk about it, man. Like, And that's where it... The, finally, the exhale from that moment is, it's just like, Jesus, wow, okay. Yeah. And here's where we are again Oof, on the path. Yeah. And there maybe that's the podcast. Yeah. We're going to play a second half. <laughs> on that very heavy note. <laughs> yeah. But we will play the like second I said, half next week. Like I said, this game pulls no punches. Yeah. Yes. And I think, yes. if I remember, I only remember a couple of events, and they're all from the second half of the game, and it gets serious. So I think this game like hits harder yeah. and harder <laughs> as you get to know the characters better and as it continues. Um, so yeah. Yep. As Gabe would say, Getting further and further out Strap west. up and strap on. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get crazy. So maybe really <laughs> quickly, should we go around and just say, people excited about the next section, anything like that? Like I know. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think it goes without saying for all of us who are playing, we're just all super excited about, you know, just finishing this game off as well as, you know, looking hopefully towards The Last of Us 2 in the future, which I'm sure we'll talk about with that lead up next week. Yeah. 
So then... Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on that. This lovely uh If you listen to this journey. without playing Last of Us, go play Elena. it right now <laughs> and join us next week. I'm still mad. <laughs> we I just spoiled yes. it all. Look, we yeah. only spoiled the first half for you. There's so much more to live for. Except for James. Yeah. You've had seven yeah, years. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you clicked on a podcast called Last of Us. So Look, like, I know. There's just like, there's yeah. one there's one guy out there. Yeah, James. It's His name is James. <laughs> and then I will say, just to, to totally, completely cap it off, thank you, Claire, for guesting. Yeah. It's been awesome to have Absolutely. you. Yeah. I love talking about my Thanks my so much game. for your insights on this game James, I haven't played. Claire again. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. No, just both the, the, the mature and the horrible immature things I've I've added to this. Um, hopefully, you know. Hopefully they don't hate it. We love it, and we hope you'll join us next for week as we finish sure. this off. Good yeah. shit. All right. Thank you, everyone. And, and thank you, James, by the way, for – I think there's a powerful concept of having someone in here who doesn't know, so we have to explain it a little more. I think it keeps us on our toes, and so thank yeah. you also, even though we made fun of you. Yeah. All right. Let's roll. We got to play roll. Mass Effect and Less of Us, so let's, we gotta, let's, let's do this thing. We out of here. Thank you very much. Take right. care. All right. Bye. Bye.